On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we are back in the world of The Witcher, albeit a thousand years in the past as spin-off saga The Witcher Blood Origin comes to Netflix. We're back in West Yorkshire with Karen Kaywood in the long-awaited return of Happy Valley on the BBC, and we go full Wagatha Christie on Channel 4 with Vardy V. Rooney. But that's not all, because Lawrence O'Fioran, star of The Witcher Blood Origin, also stopped by for a quick chat with me. I'm James Dyer, and welcome to The Pilot TV Podcast, your weekly guide to every show that matters, and a podcast that has a beef with both Netflix and HBO this week, but we'll get into that a little bit later on, uh, because it was the pod before Christmas, and all through the house. Not a creature was stirring, except for my two co-hosts, one of which, I'm very sorry to say, joins us for the last time this week. Now... I feel I should drag this out and not reveal the name until the very end of the show. <laughs> but this isn't Strictly, so I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say, it's with great sadness and deep regrets. I need the music. I need the music playing underneath. Oh, my but I, We say goodbye to one of our own and the contestant that we're saying goodbye to on this week's show is none other than... <laughs> The one and only <laughs> Boyd Hilton. No, it's not. It's not. We as could if, get Boyd as if I would ever forklift truck. Yeah, <laughs> as if I would ever miss one episode, let alone not do this. That's podcast. true. He's literally never miss yeah. an episode. No, it's Beth. It's Beth. It's all very sad. This is the last, the last Beth show, uh, and it makes me sad. But 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 it's not like a, it's not like a permanent. We're not getting divorced. It's not like a permanent departure. You you'll pop back to say hello, won't you, from time to time? You'll occasionally like pop up. Oh my god, you know? of course I will. Of course I will. It's just, yeah, it is um it's not through a, a lack of love for the pilot pod and its wonderful listeners. Just yeah. Just the thing about Empire is it's quite hard to work for. <laughs> <laughs> I've made Empire magazine for this whole forog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you come for come for the magazine, but yeah, no. Um yeah, I'm very sad. I mean, it was the hint was in the depleting number of episodes. I was like, considering how much you were drawing that out, boy. <laughs> <the laughs> yeah. The proof was, was pretty much there. But it yeah. is true. You've not been able to make a lot of them recently. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's um, it's uh, we're going to go out in a bang. I'm sure. I'm sure. What has what been is- your favourite show? <gasps> oh my goodness! Well. <sighs> This is this is where we'd need to sort of split hair study because there's like shows I've enjoyed and then there's been shows that I've enjoyed speaking with the two of you about. So it's like I, I always love ones where there's like a surprise reveal where Boyd is either wonderfully indifferent <laughs> or like scathing. And then James is like, is completely sold and you couldn't have seen it coming no matter how well you know him. So I'm thinking the of- flat s- share. <laughs> mm. The flat share. The flat share 4 Scenes from a marriage was a great moment in my pilot oh, podcast yeah. history. That was a huge one where James felt like a sinker. And I think, boy, did you hate it? Or were you yeah, just like, yeah. eh, no, yeah, you I did. I didn't like it, yeah. didn't like it. Yeah. The smug yeah. introduction, I believe, in particular, rubbed you up the wrong way. <laughs> it really did, yeah. Oh, let's get all the cameras ready to film this bullshit, pretentious <laughs> load of old nonsense. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, that device I mean? has been used in, in subsequently, hasn't it, in, in films and stuff. But yeah, yeah, I find yeah. it annoying. Yeah. See, I, I can't tell you a thing about that show, but I remember you two going yeah. like, 
just a completely I mean, that opposite. Says a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. It's like the first two hours of Avatar: The Way the Way of Water. I can't remember when. Oh, here we go again. Yeah. Here we go again. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Five stars in Empire. Oh my god. There should be oh, two wow. inquiries. Empire magazine. One is they have to find out a way of letting us have Beth. That she's not. It doesn't take so much time to put that entire section together. And B, that Avatar The Way of Water got five stars. Two important inquests yeah, have to absolutely. happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. James is looking pained. Yeah. I am pained. On Sorry, both James. accounts. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So, yeah. So, well, you know, I, I mean, let's be honest. We were only really using you, Beth, to get Steve. Like, that's ultimately what this was. <laughs> like, uh, ever since the Live 200 show when he came on stage and did a walk and talk, like, he's been the true hero of this podcast. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. He'll be listening to this. He'll love that. He will, <laughs> he will probably email you and ask to come on. So That's it. It's guess, it. it's guess hope we swap one web for another. It's Steve yep. Webb. That's what we need. More bold men on this podcast. That's so. it. That's it. We're going for the with complete set. Yeah. <laughs> You know, on this, the last week where I'm going to grill you over your telly-watching habits, I mean, I think we both know that isn't true, but what, <laughs> uh, what have you been watching, Beth? What have you been watching this week? So again, we'll, we'll, we'll be recording this the week before um, you'll be listening to it, listeners. So we've, we've obviously got to go into the White Lotus finale, which was held back for us as mighty journalists to have to watch with, with the, the public on the same day. So... Boyd, I imagine you stayed up on Sunday to watch this, did you? Oh, absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, well, I, I interviewed. I was, in, I had to really because I was interviewed Will Sharp the next morning, um, yeah. literally first first thing in the morning. So my yeah. uh, my day was basically stay up till two a.m. watch the ninety minute extended. Oh uh, my goodness, yeah. that threw me through the ring. Yeah, that threw me as well. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, because it's up to three thirty a.m. Yeah, now. yeah. Um, then get an, a few hours sleep, and then have the absolute joy. I have to say, of speaking to Will Sharp, who is adorable. Did you did you speak to him much when you went on set when you did your? Um... I did. So I did paired interviews. It was really intense. Actually, we did him and Aubrey at the very end of the day, and they were just brilliant. Um, Aubrey is just very like caustic and funny and. And I think Will was just a little bit dazzled, <laughs> which is, but he's he's just come out of it one of the like fan favorites, hasn't he? People have really taken to him, which is what I love about that show is seeing who comes out of that cast. As I've said before, people who you perhaps didn't know very well before, and then you get to know through this show. And I think he's definitely been one of the stronger performers for that. Him and um, is it Megan Darley? Is that her name? I know she's been like massive with people. They've really taken to her. But yeah, yeah, no, he was great. But yeah, so I got, I got, got up at about 7am, I think, and, and sat down and watched it through Sleepy Eyes and bloody hell. I mean, we can't really talk about it, can we? Because there's still people that won't have seen it. But I mean, all the big spoilers were trending on Twitter by the time we got on. And I don't know, it's interesting, isn't it? That when I spoke to him for the feature, he was like, I'm absolutely not making the show for other people. You know, it's great to have award success, but that's not what I measure it for. I'm just, I'm just making the show because it makes me laugh and it's, it's good for me. And, and that final episode really fucking proves that. Like he's not pandering to fandom or like fan favorites at all. Nobody is safe in that show, clearly. And um, God, what an, what an exit for that person. Like I was... Um, I was sad, but I, I, you've got to admire his, his, you know. Well, no, I'm doing this. I'm doing this for me. That person's out. Yeah, that scene. I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I feel like sure. I, mean, I won't spoil it, but sure. I mean, every anyone. It, it's become such a uh, phenomenon that show that mm. I do feel like 
pretty much everyone who 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 wants to who liked it who became a fan will have seen it. Although having said that, I did actually have a breakfast this week with someone in the TV industry who loves the show. At, at that point, two or three days after it went out, had not yet seen it. So you never know. Absolutely fair it enough. Is, yeah. But that person's exit was so brilliantly handled because mm. I love I love that that device. His device of planting the fact that there's going to be a dead body or dead bodies in the first episode and then play it playing out so you forget as he did with season one you kind of forget that mystery element and then suddenly it becomes more and more important and you get to the finale and then it becomes and the way he plays around with that with your expectations and he pulls the rug but and that's but that maverick scene where that character dies is so was so brilliantly done wasn't it? it was like funny disturbing tragic everything but he completely pulled it off. And I, I mean, it's it's gone straight to number one in my shows of the year, I have to say. Like, yeah. I, I, it re- I, 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 you know, I, I would, if it wasn't too late, demand a rethink, a recalculation of our official top 20. But that's already been published. It's out there. It's fine. And we did it before, <laughs> to be fair. I'm not having you out, James. We did it before the finale. So we didn't know. But for me, the finale, this finale was even better than season one finale and has elevated it to the ranks of absolute number one for me, my favorite show of the year. Wow! Yeah, definitely, you 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 would put this above Severance. Yep, above Severance, above above. Yep, Andor, above Dandor. I just think it's a magnificent thing that he's created, Mike Wyatt. I mean, just the whole idea, the way he executes it. The characters are so kind of de- multi-layered and kind of authentic. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Roll on uh, round three. Yeah. And do you in think, the- I think there are rumours, I, I asked Will Shot this, it, so with all shots, it's going to be in the next podcast, isn't it, in our roundup of the year. He is, spoiler yes. alert, for anyone who didn't want to know that in advance, but no, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> we will indeed have Will Shot <laughs> yeah. on the review of the year podcast, yeah. which goes out next week, so you get to hear all about the White Lotus then, although you hadn't seen the finale when you spoke to him, am I right in saying no, that? No, I had. You? I had. You had. Clearly weren't listening, James. Unfortunately, Boyd, oh, unfortunately, Boyd you started speaking about the White Lotus, so I, I immediately just started hearing you've got the theme tune to the magic roundabout playing in my head. James, you're a complete villain. You've got to watch this fucking show. You're missing out. You're going to like it. And there are likable characters. That whole thing, they are... Oh god, it's so just, annoying that you can't watch know, this brilliant I know. show. Like, it's, you, I don't think it's bad. Like, it's not like I'm know, like wrong about out. it. I'm just... <laughs> anyway, so my theory Beth, is that yeah. I think that foursome, yeah, will be back. I think they'll be back in the next season. Well, she says, doesn't she? Next, next time, yeah. Maldives or yes. something, which yes. is um, which yeah. is great. I found the whole dynamic just so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely one of the stronger storylines. Story um, so yeah, that was the big the big telly event this week for me. But I've also, since I was last on, went back to Wednesday and watched the whole thing. And I am a hundred percent sold on that show. A hundred percent. Even the the moments where it ventures into like YA territory, I'm a little old crone brain, can't quite wrap my head around it. Um it had so much heart and fun and oh my god, General Otegu is is absolutely fantastic. I have the most yes time for her and the more I find out about her and the more I read about her in that role the more enamored I am with her like like the fact that she didn't blink in that performance like she did a take where she didn't blink and Tim Burton liked it so much she just didn't blink when she was on camera which is absolutely wild to me I'm trying not to do it now and I'm feeling horribly and like just the energy she brings there's an episode where obviously Uncle Uncle Fester. Fester there he is Uncle Fester comes in and it's like 
Fred Armisen, who's just the best he's been in it. I mean, he does the rounds of television. I think he's been in every single show <laughs> that's come out this oh, year. Yeah. But in, in, in this, he's really wonderful. And they've got a fantastic dynamic. I got quite teary. Something happens with them. Um, Cousin It, and and that's really emotional, which I never thought I'd I'd get quite teary about a a, a hand, um, <laughs> but I loved it. Yeah, I had I had the best time, and I'm thrilled to see it doing so well. I'm thrilled to see her, you know, rising through the ranks as one of the most exciting performers I think working at the moment. Um, and it's good to see Tim Burton do something quite good. So <laughs> that was, uh, you know, not the not the main point, but I, yeah, I had a good time. So yeah, that's been me. Oh, I really enjoyed that the the first few episodes. So yeah, I'm going to go and finish it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it has become quite the phenomenon. She seems to only get asked about the dance scene. That seems to be the only thing that comes up in any interview with her at the moment. So. It's a great dance scene. It is. It is. The power, from what I understand, it was entirely of her own arrangement. That sounds about oh, right. Well. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's she's just great. If you've not been on her Twitter, I suggest following her on Twitter. She posts some really funny stuff and some great hmm. behind the scenes stuff as well from it. Yeah, she's great. She's great. Boydie. Yes, I uh, say. I mean, I've, I've White Lotus. Yeah, completely. Yeah, I've already that was it. <laughs> we've, we've jointly banged on about it. Number one best best show of the year. Uh, I've also watched so part two of Meghan and Harry. James, your favourite, uh, dropped on Netflix. No, this week. Okay, yes. okay. I've got to ask some questions about this. Go ask your questions. Obviously, I've watched this. And I will never ever watch this. No, as long as I live, no matter how no. much anyone tries to make yes. me, because <laughs> yes. they're both incredibly <laughs> tedious. But uh, and I have nothing against them personally. I just don't wish to hear about their lives. And also, I mean, they'll be devastated. Is, but yeah. no, I know. And look, I I don't want to do join the parliament because I, I actually have nothing against Harry and Meghan. And I think you know what, God love them. If you want out the royal family, I, may the force be with you. I'm yeah. completely on side with them. But equally, like there is a part of me that's like, do we really need a how many parts? Is it six part? Is six. it six part? Yeah. Do we really yeah. need a six part show where two millionaires moan? Like, I kind of feel a little bit like, read yeah. the room. Yeah. Like, have yeah. a look around oh, yeah. you. Like, yes. sorry. But I'm having that. That. And my mum said something very similar about this. Did She's she? having none of it. Yeah. Well, Mrs. Dyer has a point. Absolutely. That is one of the funny <laughs> things about it is that they are, is that they are, you know, shown in their various lavish abodes, um, swanning around, you know, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Complaining. There's one. I just a couple of because I went banged on about it last week, so I don't want to go. But this, the second lot of episodes are much more revelatory and controversial than the first lot, and and it is like watching a real life fictional soap opera of a real life fictional soap opera. It's real. It's what it is watching. (laughs) It is like watching uh, the royal family turned into like Dallas or Dynasty or the Crown. I mean, not as classy as the Crown in a way because it's quite. it, It is quite kitsch and kind of um over really? the top yeah yeah oh, um, just the way it's done just you have to yeah um and but there were some really funny bits like there's a moment there's a bit where you, they're filmed watching themselves doing that oprah interview and so you then come to think well wait a minute are they going to be filmed watching themselves watching this <laughs> program watching the oprah, oprah documentary how far is it going to go that was really funny inadvertently funny but it is quite clear from the show how much he hates his brother William, and it is kind of completely out there now. And it and it kind of it, it, one of the things I kept thinking was, you know, we're all we're always led to disbelieve what we see in the papers about this these kind of feuds, you know, this kind of soap opera of celebrity and royal life. But in the end, when there's this much kind of weight of evidence and number of stories and journalists are telling you these people hate each other, and that's the I mean, it turns out to be true, you know, that I mean, there's lots of things, of course, he accuses the, the press of getting wrong. And I'm in no way 
particularly on the tabloid press's side in this. I, I'm complete. I'm kind of completely neutral. I can see, but they definitely the fact that you know there were stories going back years that they definitely you know hate each other for various reasons, and that clearly is absolutely hundred percent true. It is amazing. So yeah, it's it's just it's just a, such a weird show to watch, and there's so many strange strange twists and turns in it. It is bizarre. So yeah, I, but I won't go on about it much more. There is one really weird aspect of it, um, which is that. They end up. There's this whole bit in in the in the first of the new episodes where Meghan and Harry need somewhere to go because they've got like a base in Vancouver Island, but the paparazzi find they've got another base somewhere else. But the paparazzi. So Tyler Perry, the very successful film director and sometime actor, who is in one of my favorite films, Gone Girl, and he's brilliant in it. He just gets in touch with Meghan because he feels sorry for her and he's seen her like on on American news programs and basically offers them to stay at his lavish, enormous compound in wherever in the Beverly Hills, in the in the LA Hills. And it's and then they just there's loads of stuff about um Tyler Perry hanging out with Meghan and Harry. And it's really <laughs> weird. And then he becomes like their best mate all of a sudden. I just wasn't expecting that. I just didn't know about the whole Tyler Perry Kate um not Kate, the whole Tyler Perry uh importance in their lives but of, um, who among yeah. us cannot relate to that to feeling a bit <laughs> down at the dumps and being invited to stay at a millionaire yeah. actor director's house to kind of chill out i mean we, we've all done it we've we all are. been there like we've it's a very relatable show boyd i think that's the important thing very much relatable yeah yeah so there we go yeah uh, my, my my time has been taken up with too much megan harry frankly and one more thing i want to mention because this is literally what i did this morning and i know people don't like it when we talk about in the what we've been watching section something that's not going to be out Yet, but I am going to mention I can't resist it. Uh, I watched this morning for my Heat magazine duties because I'm writing about an issue coming out in like the middle of January already. It's really annoying. Um, A show called The Reunion, which is going to be on ITVX, and it is a mad. And the only reason I mention it is keep an eye out for it. Maybe we'll get to review it in full um, when we arrive in the new year. But it is an absolutely mad thriller with uh, Yon Griffith. And uh, Dervla Kerwin and others. And all I would say is this. Just think about this for a minute. Ewan Griffith, who is 49 years old, right? He, his mother is played by Dervla Kerwin. She's 51. Right? <laughs> I, was like, I was watching and I'm going, who is, what's the connection between these two characters? And then suddenly he goes, calls her mum. I'm like, hold on. <laughs> She's clearly only barely older than you. This is so <laughs> mad. And then I checked their ages. And sure enough, she's only two years older than him. Looks about two years older than him, and that's just but one of many, many, many utterly bonkers elements of this show. And I can't wait to get to review it in full and discuss it in full next year. So yeah, look out for the reunion, ITVX, middle of January. It is astonishing. Okay, yeah. we'll mark that down. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll review it. Sounds sounds so. like a riot. I don't mean to stop it. I'm afraid. Yeah, yeah. The thing that I watched this week, and only the one thing, to be honest, apart from the other thing that. I, I feel like I may or may not have seen the rest of a TV show that I'm very excited yes. about, but let's let's, yes. let's not get into that. Uh, I, yeah, we all know what that is I'm, now. I mean, no, we don't. <laughs> we've never mentioned it. It's fine. God. It's just a show that I'm excited about that I may or may not have now seen all of it. It's all fine. And it may or may not be fabulous. Funnily enough, just to, just to interrupt quickly, because I'm yes. not going to say what that show was, because <laughs> I don't know about you, I got an email about that show in which it actually said at the bottom of the email, please do not share the fact that you'll be able no, to see this which show. Is why I, which is so, why I would never break yeah. such an embargo and have oh not, Your Honour, ever at any point said that I have seen the show that I haven't said I've seen. So yeah. it's all fine. So that annoying. said, that said, yeah. Yeah. what we can talk about is our new issue that will be out the uh, week that yeah. this goes um, This goes out. It's a wonderful issue, uh, last of the year, and, and opening it, completely unrelated to what James is saying. I don't know why 
I don't know why it's just come to me actually. But yeah, we've got a big um, exclusive uh, opener where James gets to speak to the showrunners of a show called The Last of Us. Oh, I've heard of that. I'd forgotten yeah. that was coming out. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. Um, yeah. yeah, and I just, I just, uh, yeah, I think. Um, it's, oh, it's a lovely piece. I, I did. I had. I can, I can say that I said that. I, I spoke to Neil Druckmann and Craig Mazin about the show. We spoke for nearly an hour. Uh, it was. It was a lot of fun. How would you call the interview? How would you review the interview? How would I review the, the interview? I'd say, I'd say the interview was everything I dreamed it would be. It was uh, <laughs> talking to them was, uh, was 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 magnificent. It's my interview of next year. I'm going to tell you that. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. It was oh, oh, such a good interview. Such a Wonderful. good interview. Yeah. New issues out this Thursday. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> Buy it. Buy it. Read it. Love it. Uh, but in uh, apart from that other thing that I may or may not have been watching, I also also finished the english uh which oh. which and i know you said this from the beginning but like it just got better and better as it went along like it was yes. so good yes just so good and what was interesting about it is because it sets out its stall as a fairly straightforward if beautifully shot revenge story set in the old west but it is not that. Like, it is that, but it isn't that. Like, it goes to so many unexpected places. And, like, from one episode to the next, you do not know what this is going to do. And Rafe Spall is just glorious. Like, he's channeling a lot of Alfie Solomon, so i got to be honest. There's a lot of Tom Hardy in his performance. But he's really, really good in it. And it's bleak, and it's dark, but it's also hopeful, and it's sweet, and it's soul-crushing, and then it's charming, and it's all of these things. Uh, and I thought it was, yeah, it was it was a, a mo- and it was perfectly, the, exactly the right length, though, just a perfect six-episode length. Uh, I Yeah, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Beautiful. Do watch it if you haven't already seen it, Hugo Blix, The English. I will also say, there is a scene in The English where one character tells a graphic and unpleasant story to another character, and as they start talking the sound slowly fades away and the music swells. And the music is You Cut Her Hair by Tom McRae, uh, which is a really, really great song, which was nominated for the Mercury Music Prize in the early noughties. Uh, and I haven't heard it in ages. Uh, I know Tom, so that kind of why it surprised me. You and, know and Tom I, McRae? Hold on. Yes, yes, How yes, do you I know do. Tom McRae? Because uh, I used to be very good friends with his wife. In fact, she used to work for Empire. I- his wife used to work for Empire. Oh, so, yeah. uh, yes. I went to so, see Tom McRae in concert uh, years ago. Recently? No, years ago. Years ago. Oh, probably about 10 tickets. years ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. 10 years ago. I probably still could have got your tickets. Yeah, but he's really good, yeah. He was he's excellent. great. He's, and he's also yeah. he's a very, very good live act because he, he's, got, he's got a lot of banter with the audience, which is very funny. He's very yeah, witty. And, uh, he was very funny. And that's, you're right, yeah, that, that's that's a brilliant song and a brilliant moment. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, it's a, again, it's maybe, you know, you should pay more attention when I tell you things like the English should be very much higher in the list of the top 20 hey, of the year. Hey, look, it's on the list. I was happy to have it on the list. I <sighs> now like it more than I did probably. Yeah, it's very, yeah. very good, the English. Excellent performances, excellent. Basically, uh, one more thing to say is Boyd was right all along. So Boyd I, was right. There we go. I'm going to say this is my gift to you, Thank Boyd. You. My Christmas Thank gift you. to you. You were right, Boyd. It's the greatest you were gift right. I'll get this year. I was wrong, and you Thanks. were right. Thanks, mate. There you go. Yes. That that is my concession to you. Right. Okay. Well, those are things we've been watching. Should we have our guest this week? Uh, it's time to speak to Lawrence. O'Furan, and he hefts his axe on Christmas Day as rogue elf Fjol in The Witcher Blood Origin. It should come as absolutely no shot whatsoever that I could not let the opportunity to toss a coin to any Witcher pass me by. Uh, so I jumped on a call with Lawrence uh, a few weeks ago, actually, quite a few weeks ago, because I saw this uh, show quite a while back. We had a chat, and this is what went down. 
So, Lawrence, welcome to the Pilot TV podcast. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good, doing really good. This is actually my first podcast, so uh, go easy, James. Yeah? Is it now? Is it now? Have you been talking about the show with people, or is this the first time I'm talking about it? I mean, I'm not supposed to be talking too much about it, but I haven't shut up about it, really. You know? <laughs> too many people but yeah, oh, yeah I've been, we've been chatting about it a good bit, so uh, I'm ready for the old combo. Fairness, because they obviously they rolled you all out at the big to dumb event, didn't they? To talk about it, they did, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was in London a couple of months ago. It was great, yeah. So that was the kind of the big reveal where we told everybody that the uh, the show is going to be released on Christmas Day, which is really yeah. exciting. That's nice. Yeah. It's nice. You and Father Christmas. This is an excellent Christmas. Exactly. I'm an elf, you know. <laughs> you do have Christmas the ears for it. To be fair, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I've been told. I do. I like. I'll be honest. I'm a big Witcher fan, and what I really enjoy about this series is that it's not clear-cut no one in this saga is ever really clear-cut even the heroes are kind of muddy they're all rolling in the mud uh, and i would say fial is no different like what did you make of this character i mean i, I suppose he's kind of like you're every man else really he's kind of uh he's lost in a lot of ways he's, he's kind of directionless and um even though it's like um he's like a warrior and he's in this warrior clan he's kind of stuck in a mundane job you know he's kind of just getting going through the motions every day so it kind of reflected back on a lot of jobs I'd done over the past couple of years. I just kind of, yeah, I, I kind of found them through just kind of searching back about stuff that I found that I wasn't really, you know, partial to or I didn't really like doing or I wasn't really happy within the space I was in. Because he's, yeah, he's kind of, he has a lot of grievances and he has a, he's carrying a lot of weight on his back, you know? So, yeah, I was kind of able to dig deep and try and relate in some sort of way. Really? Yeah, presumably you hadn't done an awful lot of jobs where you were kind of a, a mercenary for hire, unless unless that has not made it onto your IMDb page, which is possible. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't really uh, gone down too many roads like that so far. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was interesting. I just I think with the writing as well, it kind of gave me license here. You know, have a lot of fun with him. Yeah, definitely. Because like, because he, he's cast out, he's on his own. Uh, he meets up with the Lark, and we get this kind of seven samurai setup early on, which is really nice. Like, was that one of the touchstones for you when you were preparing for this? Yeah, it was great. I suppose like they're all different. From, they're all from different factions in society. So, um, Fiala's from a rival clan. Then the Lark, the Naila, and uh, they're loggerheads at the very start from the get go. But they kind of find common ground because they have a kind of mission that they need to get through. So that was really interesting to play, especially with Sophia, because she's just so brilliant. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was. We just had a lot of fun, really. It was. Um, it was. It was a joy. I mean, every day we went to set, we were kind of pinching ourselves that we were here because we were all massive fans of the show as well. Well, this is what I'm going to say to you because The Witcher was. It always kind of surprised me because it's genius and I love it, but I didn't expect it to be as big as big a hit as it was because it's quite dense fantasies you know what i mean like it takes no prisoners with the law and stuff but like i mean i assume if you were one of the many millions of people who watched season one of the original witcher presumably that didn't phase you at all i mean no i mean i suppose for me i mean i went over um i went over quite early to try and get a bit of prep in before we started shooting because i knew the physicality was going to be a big aspect to this character mm -hmm. yeah i kind of got you know I, I i was there so like i was there for everybody before we had anybody even cast and um i was living there i watched sets go up there was a gym on set that I used to just train in every day. I just used to get up, cycle into the studio. And uh, I, yeah, I kind of lived it for so long. And I, I mean, I still pinch myself. It's still kind of not real that I was there. <laughs> um, I can, it was about eight months of my life. Um, and it was just magic. Because I'm a massive fan of the show and I'm a massive fan of the games as well. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, it was so funny. Uh, like, we used to uh, shoot. And then because it was COVID, no one obviously wanted to go out and mingle because we didn't want to bring COVID back and shoot everything down. Of course. I just used to go go home and just kind of uh, play the game, read the scripts. <laughs> so I was like, I was in that world 
for eight months and I didn't come out of it once. Yeah, so you knew your uh, your drowners from your neckers from your various oh, other yeah. things. Yeah, I was dreaming of them, dreaming of them. <laughs> Reading the scripture, I know what the conjunction of the spheres is. You don't need to tell yeah, me this exactly. shit. <laughs> yeah, I think Henry was much the same. Like he's a big fan of the games and indeed the books. I think as well. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a great it's a it's got great lore. It's got great stories. It's got great characters, but it also has really great writing. And I think certainly in the shows, I love the irreverence of the scripts. I think this yeah. is in your show and indeed the the main sort of Witcher series as well. Like you know, like there's a line that you have. I can't even remember. So I think this might be the first episode. We know there are bound to be more of these stabby fuckers coming along. Like was that in the script was that your line like what was that that's down to Declan Devara the showrunner he's just like he's um, his writing's just brilliant you know? and that's what I mean about having so much fun with the script because like every time you turn the page you just laugh your ass off you're like right <laughs> this is going to be uh, going to be a fun day and yeah and he kind of gave you a license to kind of improv a little bit around bits and pieces and yeah there's an awful lot of freedom that we had when we were on set um, and he was there every day I mean as I was saying, I got over so early, I was able to just kind of just annoy him completely because he was over there too. Yeah. Like just about every single page of the script. Now it changed an awful lot as we were shooting, as it does. Declan just has this really dark kind of sense of humor that he was really able to tap into and put into the script. And yeah, yeah I think it's going to be something that people really, really like. I mean, it's laugh out loud funny at times. I think there's a line that said, like, the line is, if you fell into a bucket of tits, you'd come up with a cock. And I'm like, yeah, hey, that yeah. is extremely funny. But also, I'm pretty sure that is a reference to the UK office. It's like there's a David Brent line that is very similar. I was like, that feels like a nod to that. Yeah, well, he's a fairly good television now, Declan, you know? I'm sure, yeah. he, I'm sure he picks bits and pieces out of everything, especially his, his brain, you know? Because, I mean, yeah. some of it was just like... Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how much I could say. I mean, you you've seen a bit of it, maybe. So I know I know quite a lot of what happens. Obviously, the last they're quite early cuts, so right. there's a lot of like green green lycra so is is a, okay. a firm okay, fixture yeah. in the later episodes of the ones I've seen. Obviously, won't be in the final version, but right, uh, sure. yeah, no, it's it has that same texture as which. It's a very different story. Obviously, set like a thousand odd years before, but it has yeah. the same sort of tapestry. It's made of the same material. You can feel the similarity, which actually to me is like was quite interesting to me because this is a very elf centric show like this is yeah. before humans essentially turn up so it is quite a different proposition 100 i mean what we were going for was like we wanted to see the uh the elves society at its peak you know what i mean it's like, like yeah. all, all kind of empires kind of rise and they fall and we wanted to see like, why the elves are on their knees in the flagship show like why are they just like kind of destitute and what was it like for them when they were at their kind of height so that's what we're kind of exploring in the series and about how they kind of, because I think once you get to like a height in society, I think greed kind of creeps in and, you know, corruption. And I think once that happens, it's just like, it's, there's only one way and it's down. Yeah. And I think that's what happens to, to our guys in the show. Yeah. I think with the clans, they kind of, they're complicit in this kind of way of um, working within the society and they know what's wrong, but they still kind of go along with it. And I think Shal, that's what his kind of conflict was in his head. He kind of knew that this is not the way life should be, but it's just, that's the way he's taught. I mean, he has one line in the script. And it's like, we live, we die, we feed worms. And it just summed him up as a character. <laughs> and I don't know whether he even believes that himself, but it's just what he's been taught and it's been drilled into his head. And it's his thing that, uh, that does eat us, even though he doesn't want it to be. And I think it's until he meets Ayla and she explains a different way of life and shows him that life can be an opera different, um, he kind of opens up his eyes reluctantly. Yeah, he's a, he's a pragmatist, isn't he? I think it's fair exactly. to say when we meet no. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think in another life, you'd be like a gardener, like a farmer, <laughs> an artist. Or, 
You know? Yeah. I mean, look, as you said, you're a fan of the original Witcher and the games. What 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 is about it to you that that makes these things out? Why are they a hit with you? Like, is it the darkness? Is it the kind of the moral murkiness? Is it the liberal swearing? You know, what is it that resonates with Probably you? Probably both. Really. I mean, yeah, you're <laughs> all the boxes for me. Um, I think I think it's the escapism. I think I think you can really just dive into these worlds and and connect with different characters and especially with our cast it's just so widely diverse it's just, everybody can relate to someone in the show I think that was really important for the guys and us when we were, when we were making it it's like um, everybody can have their kind of team to root for and they all kind of as, as you said the Seven Samurai they all kind of band together they become this kind of unlikely team of heroes this kind of this weird kind of team of like underdogs and they just kind of go for it and I think yeah I think people are really going to root for them well I hope they do well that's the idea <laughs> yeah exactly you know? but um for me, it's yeah. I think it's just escapes. I mean, you can put these on and you can just just fall into them for any period of hours and just forget whatever stuff is going on. That's that's what I did. Was it's what I did when I was a kid. You know, mm. that includes like video games or, or film or TV. It's kind of for those hours, you just kind of just got lost. Yeah. Oh, 100 percent. I'm a big fan of escapism. Is, is fancy a genre that you think is is very much your thing? Like, do you, do you read a lot, watch a lot, play a lot? Is that something you love? I mean, I mean. It, it, I don't really have one thing that I love. I mean, I think I just love just good television. I mean, I yeah. love drama, I love fantasy, I love comedy. But I mean, I definitely would have a soft spot for, for fantasy. Especially because, like, I mean, yeah, I love the fantasy games and obviously The Witcher themselves and all the other shows that have come out so far. I think, yeah, I think I definitely have a soft spot for the old fantasy. Because it's a good time to be a fantasy fan at the moment. Like, we've oh, had yeah. Rings of Power, we've got House of the Dragon at the moment, you know, both of them, we're coming back into The Witcher again. And it felt like pre-Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings, it was kind of like the unwanted stepchild of, like, genres. Like, no one really played in the fantasy realm. And now everyone loves it. Everyone wants a slice. I think it might all just go on, like, kind of cycles, you know? Like, I mean, yeah. I mean next year, he's kind of into comedies, and the year after that, he's into the drama, you know? <laughs> as long as yeah. it keeps going, keeps going around, it's back to fantasy, yeah. it's keep working. 100%. I mean, look, as we said in this, there are, there are no humans, really, as we begin this. There is a, a dwarf, an excellent dwarf, but it's very elf-centric, as we said. Now, obviously, the, the crucial thing here is, did you get to pick your own ears, or were you assigned specific ears? We'll give you a laugh. So, Michelle Yeoh was coming on to the show, which is an absolute legend. Yeah. We were all going to for it to come on. And because we all play elves, we all have to get these ears stuck on every day. Um, but the first thing she said to me when she came home at the read-through, because our characters are kind of a loggerhead, so we kind of had a, a bit of a banter on set just to keep that kind of element going with that energy. First thing Michelle Yeoh ever said to me was, give us a look at you. Oh, your ears. I see where they cast you. And I just walked <laughs> off. And I goes, I think I just fell in love with Michelle Yeoh. She's an absolute legend. But she just, yeah, she just kept that banter up the whole way through the shoot. She's like... Yeah, she's a hero, you know, on an off screen, honestly. Yeah, she's amazing. Have you seen uh, Everything Everywhere all at once? Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. So good. So, I mean, if, yeah. if anything were to be an abject lesson in why you should not fuck with Michelle Yeoh, I think that film is it. And obviously your character does in this. Uh, how did that go? Yeah, yeah, he, he does his best. You know, he gets put in his place really quickly, as you would, you know. But, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was an error on his part, I think. Yeah. I mean, since the Blaviken fight in season one of, like, The Witcher, I think that's set the bar quite high for fantasy swordplay like is it as grueling as it looks because it looks pretty hardcore we worked with a stunt team and the, the stunt coordinator his name's Adam, Adam Horan the stunt team was like I think it was like 20 plus people and they were fantastic but what we done was we um, we flew over about six weeks before the boot camp the boot camp was another six weeks and we just went through all the choreography for all the fights 
and he trained us up as much as he could. But as we were shooting the days after we had, we'd go and train for more fights. So this is just like, as you know, you've seen it, it's just action-packed the whole way through. But yeah, I mean, it's grueling, but it's like, you're, yeah, I mean, if, if you're like me, you're a big kid. I mean, you just, like, I mean, I just, I didn't want anybody to do any stunts that I could do. So I tried to do pretty much all of it, which I kind of did, I think. And um, that's me being greedy. I mean, what's not to like swinging a big axe around? Right? Just don't hit people with it. That's my only thing. <laughs> Like, right sword play is quite commonplace, but axe play is unusual. Like, how does one fight with an axe, uh, apart from carefully, obviously? I mean, yeah, it took me a while. Did, like, I remember the, uh, they gave me a loner to, to bring home. <laughs> and, uh, I used to cycle to and from the set. Walking around Dublin with it, like... No, 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 yeah, yeah. They actually posted it to Dublin, which is another story I'll have for you. But I, I strapped it to my back and cycled at home, and... Um, Anyway, the production found out about it. They thought I was going to get arrested because, I mean, it's like the axe that the character uses is, I think it's like twice the size of me. It's massive. He takes it off another bigger elf. Um, obviously, he has a bit of an ego thing, you know? He likes a big axe. So, yeah, I mean, swinging it around was uh, it was an interesting one because we had to figure out how we would, as you said, fight with a massive axe. Like, but he, I mean, he figured it out. I think he'd he done an all right job. Do you have one? I mean, is there a stunt axe, an axe for Sunday best? Do you have multiple axes made of different stuff? Yeah, we had three of them. So I have, we had one that was fiberglass that was really quite light, one that was kind of a little bit heavier. And then we had the real one, the real deal, which was like, I used to like, when I wasn't fighting with it, because they wouldn't let me fight with the real one for obvious reasons. <laughs> and um, I would get like, see, the real one, obviously you have the weight of it, you know, so you, you look like you're carrying a big axe, kind of helped. But uh, I can't, Michelle used to keep laughing at me because I used to keep swinging over my head, but it was so big. I mean, I don't know how many times I need to knock myself out trying to throw it off my shoulder, you know? But um, yeah, they sent one home to me here, which I'm going to hang on the wall at some stage. Amazing. Yeah, so they're, they're, yeah, they've been good to me. They've been good to me. Is that an axe on your necklace there? Do you have it an is. axe hanging? You've like, really taken right. this to heart, haven't you? Yeah, I've gone all hog with it, James, right? <laughs> so I got this, I found this, I bought it in Iceland when we were shooting for the first yeah. week. I saw it in the shop and uh, I'm one, I had one day off. And I remember I got one of the lads to drive me down and grab it. And so, if, like, so get this, right? So that's a piece of granite there, red granite. Nice. It looks like a blood drop. So the show is called Blood Origin. Yes. It looks like a blood drop. And this, this, my character's named Stoneheart. I mean, I think it was meant to be, to be honest. Very nice. <laughs> I'll keep this close. I better take yeah. it off. So All the way through rest. publicity, you have to wear that. That's going to be. I mean, that's, that's the plan. That was a big yeah. copy. We're the first person to know us. So. <laughs> Well, you mentioned going out to Iceland. Like the scenery in this is fucking off the chain. Like it's stunning. Yeah. And I think having sat through, and look, I know I get a lot of shit for ragging on the LED volume that the the Star Wars shows have used a lot. But I kind of think there is no substitute for being on location. Like we saw it in Rings of Power and all the new Star Wars show again, very location based. And there is a real difference to it. And I think this show, like the scenery, is almost like a character in it. It's just beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, yeah. So they, they didn't actually tell us we were shooting Iceland until like two weeks before we flew over. It's like being on a different planet. Like, I can't can't describe it like any other way than that. I mean, we, we shot on these black dunes and there's just a glacier in the background and then you, you kind of, you go down an hour up the road and it's just like red. It looks like, like you're on like planet Mars. It's no substitute for being on location. It just literally sends you there. You know, you don't really have to act. You know, it's like you kind of just need to just be in the moment and, and, and just breathe in the air and the wind hit your face. It's just, green screen is a different animal. I mean, yeah. I understand it's obviously necessary and stuff, but I mean, there's no substitute for like being in the spot. Yeah, I'm quiet. It's a stunning place. Like, were you on location? Because famously, you did get stabbed in the neck by Stannis Baratheon, first of his name. Uh, were you on location there? 
Great, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was in Belfast. Um, yes, we were on location. We, we we made it. We had a couple of studio shoots. Now we had a couple of stages that were made up with the art department. We've done an incredible job. We shot. We had this we had a couple of sequences in a cave, which won't go into too much. Um, but when we walked in, it looked like an actual cave. I mean, mm. I can't I can't describe. Like it was wet. It was damp. It was cold. It was like yeah. But um, we shot in Wales. We shot uh, we shot in all, all sorts of locations around uh, around England, but they were yeah. I think Declan and the guys really wanted to be very location based, yeah, because they wanted to you know as you said they wanted to just to, like the landscape to be another character in the show, which I think mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, it feels rich. It feels really feels expensive as well. Uh, but one of the other things that I must say, while we're on the kind of multiple fantasy track, is Lenny Henry is on a bit of a fantasy tear at the moment. You know, he was Sadok in Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. Now, obviously, having seen the episodes, uh, your arc doesn't necessarily take you too much into Lenny's character's orbit. But did you get to hang out? Were you a Lenny Henry fan growing up? Because, like, to me, like, he's like a staple of comedy. I met him. We were doing a publicity shoot at the very last day. We're like, this is like you dress up in all your different costumes and you take stills and stuff for the promotion and stuff. Yeah, I met him. He's just, yeah, he's a gent. He was laughing himself. He goes, I don't know what I'm doing here, Lawrence. Really, I'm a comedian. <laughs> no one else now. That's ridiculous. <laughs> so, yeah, he's, he doesn't take himself, take himself too seriously at all. He's just, he's a gent. We'll just see what you get, really. He's a comedy legend, always has been. And although, speaking of comedians, Dylan Moran turned up for reasons, like, as perhaps the best named character I've seen all year. Uh, was it Ertzrog One Nut? One Nut, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's another kind of absolute buzzer. Yeah, I mean, we had, a, we had an awful lot of crack on set, you know. He was, um, he's a guy, he didn't take himself too seriously at all. It, like, I mean, and I think that's, that helps at all, really, you know. It's no point in getting too kind of, you know, I'm going to stay out in the cold in Iceland for three days before we shoot and sort of stuff. You know, I don't think that was warranted too much. Um, but Dylan was so sound, you know. We just made him to sit it off. He's an, obviously a fellow Irishman. I've been a fan of Black Books and him for a long time. Who hasn't so, been? So, working with him was, yeah, it was a joy. It was a joy. And he's and funny. I, and, like, people are going to love his character. He's, he's gassed. <laughs> I mean, as you said, you kind of the first announcement for this was at Tadam. I think Henry was there as well, wasn't he? Like, it was both Witcher families, am I right in saying? He was, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, he... He introduced the new series and then we jumped straight into to Blood Origin there. The crucial question, of course, is did you meet Henry's dog, Cal? I didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> but what I did get was I got an email or a, a, an Instagram message from Henry while I was um, training in the gym. He sent me, he sent me a message on Instagram. <laughs> just, uh, what a gent, though, you know, just saying, I hope you do well. Best of luck in the gym. Best of luck at the show. Um, I thought that was really cool. You know, Very nice. Do that. Yeah, yeah, because I was in his gym. So he's probably just making sure I didn't break anything. Exactly. He hadn't like fucked up his dumbbells or... We wish you well, sort of stuff. But yeah, no, yeah, what a chance. I mean, it's great stuff. I mean, there's so much good stuff on at the moment. Like, we are in a great era for TV. So, like, what what, what are your go-to shows, obviously, when you're not working? Well, you know what I'm watching now? I'm watching The Watcher. Ah, yes, I've heard very good things. It is really good. It is freaking me out. I'm literally... I mean, I'm happy that I don't live in a big house. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's true, bro. It's something you like. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, definitely. But, uh, like that kind of like you know hard hitting drama stuff, you can't really beat sometimes. It depends mm-hmm. what mood you're into. You know, if you want to go flying to the moon, like the Mandalorian, I thought was great too. Yeah, it was. No, but you're right. There's like, some great stuff on. And thank God because like with the lockdowns and everything the way it's going, it's, it's it's good to just kick back and just have something to watch when you get home. It is, yeah. Like it's, it's when you talk about escapism, like it's. I always think escapism is good because it's so divorced from your real life. So fantasy for me is about as far away as it can get from my day job. But obviously when your day job is 
fantasy. Like, does that make it where you think, oh, you know, I think I really want to watch a true crime drama because that's actually further away from your day job than else. I thought of it like that. I mean, maybe subconsciously I'm doing that. <laughs> yeah, I just want to watch some weirdo watching a house for three three sessions, you know. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, for me. I think when I watch stuff, like I kind of feel like, yeah, I'd love to be in that, you know? It's not yeah. a lot of stuff. Like, geez, I'd love to work with him. Or, or you kind of spot little bits and pieces. That are, like, I mean, my friends won't watch TV with me anymore because I'm, I'm <laughs> constantly pausing and rewinding. Oh, what's that? Do you see that bit? And they're like, you're just taking it as out too much. Like, I'm stopping them from escaping. That's what's yeah, happening. Yeah, yeah. So I have to work on that a little bit. Yeah, got to separate the day job from the leisure time. Work-life balance, very important. Uh, well, Lance, thank you very much for your time. This has been fantastic. And uh, yes, uh, Witcher obviously lands on Christmas Day, Blood Origin. Uh, so a nice a nice present for everyone under the tree. It is, DJ. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. But thanks for having me on. Great chat, DJ. Time for The Post Bag. Now, those of you who wish to have your questions read out in the review of the year special, you still can do that. We were going to record it on Thursday. Then we were going to record it on Friday. We didn't do that either. So now we're looking at maybe recording it on Wednesday. So anyway, what I'm trying to get at is by the time you hear this, you might still have a day or two to get your questions in. If you do wish to have a question read out on the review of the year 2022 special, simply put hashtag R-O-T-Y at the beginning of your DM when you send it to at pilottvpod on Twitter. That is all I ask. And for those of you who are averse to sending anything on Twitter, because it is now the muskiverse, then I will tolerate messages on Instagram. But again, the hashtag R-O-T-Y at the beginning. Okay, so let's begin. I've not looked through anything, so we're just going to wing this as we go. Okay. Oh, this is a long one. This is a long one. So this question is from Steve Hesse, and Steve says... Love the show and all you lot, blah, blah, blah. Okay, interesting. For about 20 minutes in the semi-distant past, the pod did a segment where you discussed the end of shows. Not a spoiler chat, just of what we finished. You know what? I was thinking about this literally a few minutes ago. <laughs> and how we feel about it now, chat. A post-review review, if you will. Anyway, please, 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 can Podpast comment on their feeling of the end of season one and season two of Upright? What with the recent rise of the future best actor in the world ever, Millie Alcock, and the king of everything he tries, Tim Minchin, both being in the spotlight at the moment. This The time is for you to share your thoughts with, well, everyone, I guess. And he says it is his belief that the final 15 minutes of both seasons are among the very best conclusions to any seasons of TV. And there you go. He said it deserves a James Dyer fuck me poster quote. If anyone doesn't know, that was the poster quote I gave to St. Maud. There you go. That's from Steve. So uh, the question I would ask, and I worry that I may know the answer is, Boydy, did you finish season two of Upright? No. Uh, I, I have to admit I didn't. So apologies. But I would actually, funnily enough, because I, I forget what I've watched anyway by the time this podcast comes around. <laughs> but I did watch a couple of more episodes of it, and I do think it's really, really good. I think it I, was I, good. I, yeah, I much preferred to the first season. The first season was decent. But there is, it's kind of, I think it's more, it's less welded to the concept of the first season. And so it feels freer and looser and I did really enjoy it. So I, I, I need to watch the rest of it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's one where I, I'm more interested in it now, though, now that I know who Millie Alcock yeah. is. So yeah. like when I first saw it, I was like, yeah, oh, okay, this is, this is pretty good. This is pretty good. But I didn't watch it to the end. So I'm sorry. I know we did do a kind of what we're watching and then we went into what we finished. That was kind of a, a bolt onto that section and we've kind of stopped there. But then I kind of feel like the what we finished has now been rolled into it e.g the yeah. english do you know what i mean yeah. so i feel and, like and the white lotus is the ultimate 
Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, so I yeah. feel like we've kind of joined the, the we've crossed the streams there. Yeah. We've crossed the streams a little bit. So we are we are kind of doing it. A lot of people have shared their Spotify raps with me, showing that pilot is the thing they've been listening to most and they've been spending a lot of time with us in your ears. All I can do is apologize, but thank you very much indeed. Uh Nick Graham said on this, yes, I would share to this. He says, uh, your top podcast was the Pilot TV podcast. Thanks for another year of meaningful and hilarious reviews. I'll get around to season two of C one day. Thank you very much, Nick Graham. Let's see. We have a post here from Bamford. And Bamford says, not to go on about Andor again, but I saw someone else point out online that Genevieve O'Reilly was originally cast for a scene in Return of the Sith, and that was cut. Obviously, with Andor, she's done amazing work. Are there any other actors who have made a limited opportunity into TV brilliance? Chris Pratt being cast as Andy Dwyer for a guest arc in Parts and Rec, and Jason Isaacs only accepting Hap in the OA, like two days before, are obvious examples to me. I'm sure you have strong feelings about the latter, Boyd. Yeah, absolutely true about um, him getting that role at the last minute. Yeah, someone else was supposed to do it. And didn't, as he tells the story. Yeah, and they sent him the script, and he had like about you know about an hour to decide, um, <laughs> and was fully in when he did read it. So yeah, I mean, he did that. Is that that is a great story, a great casting story. Um, God, it's hard to think of other examples, though, isn't it? I'm confused. So people who've come in as guest stars, but who and kind of stuck around. Status. Well, funnily enough, this gives me a perfect opportunity to talk about a little show that you may or may not have heard of called. The Expanse. Now, oh there's a character God. in that called uh, Clay Ashford, played yep. by David Strathairn, the David Strathairn, okay? And he was in it, and he had a small role. It's a small role in the books. He had a small role in the show. And he did a season, and he literally went up to the showrunners, and he said, um, uh, is there any interest in having Ashford come back? Like, would you do anything else with him? And they were like, yes, David Strathairn. <laughs> when David Strathairn says, can I come and do another show, another series of your show? You say yes. So they they bulked up the role and they gave him more to do because David Strathairn wanted to come back on The Expanse. Such is the majesty of that show. You know, and Jared Harris kept coming back. To be fair, he was a major character. He was going to come back. But still, still, the moral of the story is The Expanse is great. But it does happen. Yeah. Wasn't Gunter in Friends? He was like just supposed to be in it briefly. Well, wasn't Gunter he? wasn't wasn't even in it. He was an well, yeah. extra, and the whole point was they needed That's someone right. who could work the coffee machine, and he had some barista experience. So he was like, yeah, "I can work it," and so that essentially gave him residuals for the rest of his life to to do that. So he tragically yeah. passed away. Actually, was it last year or the year before? Like very recently, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it was last year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you're right. That was and that's, and that's I, all I, I also think from memory almost like half the main characters in Breaking Bad slash Better Call Saul were all like people who Vince Gilligan basically went oh I I actually I think I should turn them into a major character like I don't think even Saul necessarily was was he planned to be in the whole thing as much as he was and then have his own best series of all time spin-off happened I think that was all kind of like unplanned totally unplanned Um, I think Jesse Pinkman wasn't even was supposed to be killed off after a season, maybe he was, even. Yes, yeah. he was. That's absolutely true in Breaking Bad. Yeah. yeah so, but it's just you get characters that resonate with the audience, don't they? Yeah. And they're like, well, we don't want to lose this character. They're brilliant. Let's keep them around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Stephen Shires says, after mishearing Boyd call I Am Ruth, I Am Groot on the last <laughs> podcast, which is actually a show, which I have watched, yeah. and it's actually quite I, good. I'm it's on Disney Plus. And I'm perfectly capable of getting it wrong and of calling, calling Ruth Groot as well. Well, well, <laughs> Stephen follows through and he says, what MCU character would you through. like the panel to see get the I am treatment? Oh, my God. <laughs> that can I just say? That is the best question we've ever been asked. Yeah, that is incredible. That is Absolute brilliant. top marks. Absolute yeah. top marks. 
I am Drax. I would love to see I am Drax, where we just spend an afternoon following Drax around, just like chatting away, being Draxy. Being Draxy. Well, there's like several ways we could answer this, isn't there? Because like I am Wonder would be like a gripping, complex, you know, like robust character study of a woman driven to the edge. It actually feels quite in tone with the show, whereas Drax would just be funny. I feel feel Wonder would be completely in, in, in in keeping with the show, yeah. But do you yeah. not feel that WandaVision kind of is I Am Wanda? Mm. Like, if Dominic Savage yeah. did I Am Wanda, it would just be WandaVision. <laughs> <laughs> to some extent, yeah. Um, uh, she would yeah. be brilliant, yeah. Yeah, who else could we have? I Am Thanos. Yeah, that you'd love I'd that. watch yeah. that. Yeah. I would watch I Am Thanos. Yeah. Yeah. You know, him sitting around, you know, sitting on his porch, looking mm. out over a grateful mm. universe. Yeah. It'd be great. Yeah. Knocking about those weird kumquats <laughs> that he seems to exist <laughs> exclusively on when he goes into retirement. <laughs> I am Ms. Marvel. Yes. Yeah. Where she uh. gets to whinge about the fact that she's a great character who was underserved yeah. in the film that she was in. Exactly. Exactly. Well, what a brilliant question. I'm basically trying to stick to the to women because that seems is the whole concept of I am. Yes, I think. that would be yeah. that would be, you know. Yeah. Well, I am Agatha would be a hoot, wouldn't it? I'm- yes, <laughs> yeah. Through the ages, I am Agatha. <laughs> she'd she'd be great fun. She'd be fantastic fun. Yeah. I am Black Widow would be a really interesting one. Just mm. looking back. I mean, to be honest, the John Wick spin off the ballerina probably not a million miles away from what I am Black Widow would be but you know the if you look at the in the black widow movie that kind of montage set to that uh acoustic-y smells like teen spirit where you kind of see how they forged them into the black widows like and it is bleak as all hell like that that would be a very interesting little uh character driven piece mm. i am peggy carter she's been through a lot she could she uh, has did you watch the peggy carter tv series the Agent I did. Carter show? yeah it was good wasn't it, it was kind it was of right yeah it yeah. wasn't bad it yeah. wasn't bad at all and i enjoyed the the what if episode where she is uh, the super soldier. It's like she becomes I just like think Hayley Atwell Britain. in that and that was brilliant in that role. Nah, she's Hayley fantastic. Yeah. So and mm. she she she's a very she could do an I am for sure. Like I bet she'd love it. Yeah. yeah, I mean you could do it with with any of them. I'd spend time with any of those characters. I really would. Let's email. Let's mention it to Dominic Savage um, and see if he bites. Yeah, and goes see if for do. it. Do you know then, what? Do you know what? I was going to say I am Gamora, but actually far more interesting would be I am Nebula. I want to see I'm Nebula because mm. Nebula has a more mm. interesting, slightly mm. more tragic arc, desperately yeah. seeking the approval of her abusive father, being yeah. bullied horrendously by her sister, who is the favourite. You know, she's the underdog. I think she's got a very interesting story to tell. Yes. Right. Okay. <laughs> there we go, Stephen. I hope we have answered that. Your excellent question. Uh, Kieran Holt says, "Did anyone watch Stage Season Three? Uh, I didn't. We we chatted about this, didn't we?" I feel annoyed about this because it just snuck up on me completely without, like, surprisingly. It's on, also, it's on BritBox, which is... Well, actually, uh, yes. Right. He's pointed this out and he says, does anyone know if it's coming to a proper channel and not pay for stuff that used to be free BritBox? <laughs> the weird thing is, BritBox has kind of been subsumed into ITVX anyway. So it's really confusing that it seems to be like the last throw of the BritBox dice for a, for a, a, a streaming service that is not really going to, as far as I understand it, Still be going because it's part of ITVX. I may have got that wrong, but yeah, that was a that was a weird surprise. And they also told me to be really late, like too late to to put it in my magazine. So I've totally missed out on it. In fact, but I'm it must go to like BBC Two. I assume I can. I'm, maybe I'm wrong, but who knows? Uh, another Stephen has said has said. Uh, 
now that the Christmas TV schedules are out, can we have a pilot TV podcast schedule? Will you still be out weekly on Boxing Day slash January 2nd? Wow. Or is James going to be binging whatever Witcher-related nonsense is on instead? Well, both of those questions get answered this week. The Witcher-related nonsense comes a little bit later on. And yes, we will have a podcast out on Boxing Day, but it will be the review of the year special, not a regular one. And then the week after that, we will not be in your ears at all. We're taking that week off. Yeah, I can so. only apologise. I have brought I have brought this up, as I do every year, because <gasps> basically do. we end up ignoring the first week of January, which is a massive week of TV, by the way. Like, loads of new stuff, goods and new stuff launches. So, well, we're doing Happy Valley today, and that's that week. It, well, yeah, but I'm, I'm talking about, yeah, Happy Valley is New Year's Day, and but then from, like, the literally Monday the 3rd, that week, there's those big new dramas launching, etc. Um, so, but we, and you will not hear them, I'm afraid, on this oh, podcast, because James is too late. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> I, like, I got this on the, on the chat as well. Like, you were like, oh, lazy, lazy. Yeah. Like, can I have one week off a year? It is no. all I ask no. is a week off. <laughs> I so don't have doing. to watch TV. You'll be in that week off. You'll be doing a Game of Thrones rewatch or something. I mean, I mean you it's, know, it's not, not beyond like, the possibility. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know what you're like. Oh God, God. Um, yes. Well, well. Sorry. So that one week where we have lots and lots of fabulous things going on TV wise, we will not be covering. But the most important show out that week is what, Boyd? Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you're going to say. Go on. I think you do know what we can say. The most important show out that week is. Happy Valley, which we oh, are yeah, sorry, covering this yes. week. Oh, 100%. I thought, because you already mentioned that. Sorry, I thought, yes. I thought yeah. But I thought that's what I'm some... saying. That's what I'm saying. We oh, are. That, yes. that, is, that is all you need. I that make sure you need it's Happy, Happy Valley, Valley yes. New Year's Day. Yeah. yeah, that is true. Completely. That is true. And I'm very glad we are, but that's a spoiler. We'll get onto that a little bit later on. Fine, fine. Let's go through more questions, more questions, because I'm going to see if I can put a dent in this post back before. <laughs> Before we go, I'm failing that. I'll just use some of them in the review of the podcast special. Okay, let me see what we've got. Gaz, Gaz says, question for the mailbox. Having just read Empire's top 20 shows of the year, which is an excellent list. I think you find that was actually the pilot TV, top 20 shows of the year, even though it is on the Empire website. Uh, I was curious if any of you completed Station Eleven. Oh, I wish you hadn't asked us that. <laughs> for me, it was my show of the year and one that I'll talk about in the same breath as The Leftovers and The OA. I think it was a masterpiece and I think about it often. If you didn't finish it, I would plead for you to do so. Gaz, 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 mate, Gaz. <laughs> oh, Gaz. So, Gaz. So, <laughs> I didn't finish it, and it is something that I regret, as in I really wanted to finish it. And it was one of these shows where I was very conscious of the fact that it was excellent, but I was also struggling a little bit. And <laughs> I watched, like, I, I like very, so I think there's, what, 10 episodes? I want to say 10. I've probably seen six of them, maybe seven. So I'm quite near the end. But then other things came along, and I didn't finish it. And I feel I should, if only because there's not that much left. So maybe that will be the thing that I'll say I'll do. I will finish it over Christmas. And then, and then, you know, maybe this is the reason why, because obviously one of the reasons why it's not on our, our top shows of the year list, I think it's partly because it kind of, it, it was so long ago, because bear in mind it aired in the States last year, and we got it at the very beginning of this year. And also because I didn't finish it. And I know for a fact that neither of you finished it either. So. No. No. <laughs> No, you didn't. Yes, apologies. Yeah, yeah. So that is that is our failing, Gaz. So sorry about that. Uh, no, I was, I I'll see what I can don't do. Don't apologise for me. I've aired my grievances <laughs> with the show before, and I'd do it again now, Gaz, because I just take <laughs> a real hindrance with a show that it makes me like invested in a storyline, and then takes me away from that storyline for about four hours of television storytelling, and then brings me back in four hours later, like the. The quality between the storylines was just too disparate for me and I lost patience. And I know a lot of people liked it and 
bless the listeners of this podcast who have taught me to stay on. I wish <laughs> I could have served you better, but I just lost my patience. I need it fast. It. I need it now. That is yeah. the whole, you know, guns thing in philosophy when it comes to watching television. Yeah, and honestly. And I don't think it's pulling the curtain too bad. Station Eleven is the reason Beth is leaving the podcast. I think you know we can we can just reveal that now. It's it really a combination is. of Station Eleven and everyone's runtime is just getting too long. It's that's, too uh... long. That ninety-minute White Lotus finale <laughs> yeah. was the last straw. Like, that's it. It's featuring. <laughs> I'm out. We will do better. Mm. AA76 says. I know you guys do a top shows of the year episode. Yes, it's coming next week. But how about each of you pick a short best episodes of the year list as well? Could be a great episode of a good but not great show, such as the Sound of Her Wings episode of Sandman. Look, look, AA76, <laughs> don't you fucking come for the Sandman or I'll come for you. Uh, or a great episode of a great series like One Way Out from Andor. I would argue those two, Sound of Her Wings and One Way Out, are probably the two best episodes of anything this year. Uh, but that's just me. Maybe we'll get into this on the review of the year special next week. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I bet we, we will. See. I bet we but yeah. just to say that the Stranger Things Kate Bush episode, which I think was episode four, that was good. would yeah. be my, one of mine, yeah. That's, but we, that but we will do more on this. But we'll get into this more yeah. next week. Then it's yeah. Uh, Sam West. A lot of men in the inbox this week. There are no women. This is it's a big old sausage fest in the post bag this week. So all I can do is apologise for that. But Sam Westover says I may have missed this being discussed on the pod at some point. Don't worry about it. it happens to me all the time. I stop listening. Did you ever touch on that when ITV updated all their software and stuff to ITVX? It has now prevented people from accessing their channel slash app because some smart TVs and TV boxes are not compatible with their new update. Is this not really bad form for a public service to restrict who can watch them depending on what TV they have? It is an interesting point. There have been a lot. It's not really. Like ITVX is, isn't actually, last time I checked, available as such on SkyQ, for example. So it's taking time to get all these technical things sorted out. That's for sure. Yeah. So I know there are a lot of people frustrated that they can't watch the ITVX shows yet, but they'll all be there. The good thing is they'll all be there like, you know, in, the, in its library, you know, forever unless they do a hbo max we'll get to that news yes uh it's unfortunate that not everyone can watch itvx yet it is it is all we can do is apologize on itv's behalf for that which we do a lot anyway anyway uh uh quickly moving on from itv bashing uh <laughs> sorry sorry snipers again snipers mm. again uh let's have a look i've got two more that i very quickly want to touch on or is it two more no it's one more i have one more and this was one that came through uh, rather unorthodoxly into my Instagram from Sarah Prince. And Sarah said, sorry to message, but I just found, you don't have to apologize, it's fine. But I just found out that all six seasons of Third Watch are on freebie and you're the only person on the planet I thought might care. Happy Christmas. Uh, thank you very much, Sarah. <laughs> I do care, actually, as should everyone else, because I used to love, love, love Third Watch when it was first on. I was slightly obsessed with it, even if it is a procedural. It's at least an exciting procedural with a lot of personal drama that spans all the emergency services from police to ambulances to fire engines and all sorts of stuff. So it's like all the Dick Wolf shows, fucking Chicago ones, all rolled into one brilliant show set in New York. <laughs> Uh, and it was great and it has a Chemical Brothers theme tune which is fun as well uh, but yeah that's all on Freebie so if you want to watch that unfortunately with adverts you can do that on Amazon Freebie yes okay I think have we exhausted the post bag for this week neither um, neither Beth nor Boyd are listening and both no, of you are doing other I, things no so. I'm actually checking I'm, <laughs> I'm actually checking on my Twitter because we did Ooh. get a tweet didn't we about um, me like are we biased when we know friends with people involved I just 
thinking about interesting. that. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, yes, that's true. And I forget the gentleman who tweeted, but I'm sure you're about to find out who it that's is. That's what I was did, trying to find. Yeah. yeah someone yeah. did uh, chime in and say, do you find it difficult to be critical of things yeah. uh, created by people you are connected to? To which I believe someone else responded and said, Boyd's very upfront about this stuff. And yes. it's generally like, I'm friends with this person or I am an official spokesperson for yeah. this one. My answer is, I can't find it annoyingly, but my answer is generally that I, tr- I, I, I try and be very upfront about it. What I would say is, if if you if if ever I don't talk about a show, <laughs> then you'll know why because that's why. So I will avoid. I, I have there have been a couple of examples of shows that haven't been great in the past that I've just yeah. kind of managed to avoid t- giving. You any just kind of on. don't weigh in, yeah, and just, just give it yourself. Draw a veil over it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's um, fair. You just rule yeah. yourself out like yeah. we have a kind of a rule on empire magazine that if you go on set if you a interview rule. the people involved we have a rule a rule you don't write the review so the if review, you do yeah. the feature you don't write the review if you've been on set if you're kind of in the tank for something you don't write the review because you're slightly compromised and again when we do this like if you're connected to something boy like if you've done an interview or if you're mates mm. with someone i mm. would generally let whoever else is, yes. is on the pod that week lead on that because right. it seems like a better thing to do uh luckily i'm not connected to anything because no tv or filmmakers <laughs> want anything to do with me oh that's so not true uh, so i'm that's not compromised not in any way because <laughs> nobody cares what i think you've done stuff like was it reacher you did that you loved reacher and you but, yeah, but my connection to reacher then... is just that i've read the books and like them i don't no. know that that oh. makes me like what did you irretrievably compromised oh no i was thinking of no i was thinking of the other show um bosh. Other, bosh. Bosh. bosh oh do you mean because of my yes. incredibly close personal friendship yes. with titus Welliver? exactly <laughs> You're basically <laughs> well of who I've met once. Yes, yeah. yes. We are close personal friends. So yes, I am clearly oh. compromised on Bosch. Uh, <laughs> although my love of Bosch predates my close personal friendship with Titus Welliver. So. Damn. Okay. All right. Next time. Uh, yes. Yes. I will. I will. I will keep my ear to the ground for anything I may be compromised on, and I will flag it up if it uh, if it does happen. Uh, but to whoever did tweet that to us, I hope that addresses your question. If you wish to send in a i don't know a thought a missive amusing a limerick whatever you want to do send it to us at pilot tv pod on twitter via direct message and again if you want something on the review of the year one hashtag roty at the beginning of it and i will scan through and pull those out on next week's review of the year podcast right shall we talk news and in particular Beth, I'm not going to lie, there have been some dirty streamers. Some dirty, <laughs> dirty, dirty streamers doing dirty, dirty, dirty things. And I think we should name and shame them right here, right now. What do you think? Uh, I don't quite know what you're talking about. No, well, that's, <laughs> well, sure. Well, 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 Beth, well, let me tell you, let me tell you, dirty, dirty, dirty Netflix has been at it again. Not, not, not satisfied, not satisfied with culling ripping the wings from the fairies for Fate the Wink Saga and cancelling oh, them. Geez. Not only did they cancel my <laughs> beloved Fate the Wink Saga, they also, and actually this was before last week's podcast and I forgot to mention it, they cancelled The Bastard Son and the Devil himself. And frankly, that's a bit of a, no disrespect Netflix, we do love you, but you can fuck right off with that because <laughs> that, the, that was great. That completely passed me by, I have to say. I didn't see that yeah. at all. Oh, that's yeah. terrible. Not happy about that because no. it's like, like in, in, with with the best will in the world, Fate the Wings are, which is not good. Like, I really enjoy it, <laughs> but it's not good. Yeah. Master Sun was a genuinely really good show. It was a really clever, you know, interesting adaptation of, yeah. and which did better things than I think the source material. Like what they did, like the spin uh, that that Joe Barton did with that particular, uh, Annie McKenney and everyone who worked on it who did with that 
uh, with that adaptation. I thought they did incredible work with it, and I really, really, really enjoyed that show. And I was really looking forward to it coming back. So I'm, I'm, I'm miffed, and I feel like Netflix has it in for good YA shows. Uh, and also bad wire shows that I like, but also mainly just good, good wire shows. shows. Justice for Glow, um, but yeah, well indeed. <laughs> and that's not where they stopped. That's because also the no. cancel act swung this week on the head of the Warrior Nun. So oh, Warrior yeah. Nun has also been cancelled and oh, will geez. not be returning for a third season. So you know, I kind of like I don't I don't understand I don't understand like what's the deal on Netflix like Bastard Son got almost universally good reviews to the best of my knowledge Warrior None did not but that's not here nor there uh, so so what what's up what gives what's going on hmm? Bastard Son I have to say was what an absolutely terrible title like a really off putting title I know yeah, it's like it edgy is. you know to have that word in, in in but I thought that was a really stupid move and I think it was quite late in the day wasn't it because when they announced it the the um. They yeah, called it Half Bad for half a long bad. time. Yeah, Because yeah. Half Bad is like, the books are the Half Bad, right. I'm going to say trilogy, the Half Bad series. I must admit, I thought it was a surprising choice. I would be fascinated to know, actually, what the thought process, like where that came from, whose idea it was, mm. and who changed the title. Mm. Um, I wonder whether that title didn't maybe help it, but let's be honest, I don't imagine it got cancelled because of the title. But maybe it didn't find as wide an audience because the title no, that's was... What, that's my theory. Yeah, that's what I'm was, saying. Was yeah. off-putting? Like, I think you know, it was off-putting. And also, it meant that you had to kind of... A lot of publications had to star out, asterisk out the word, because they still yeah. don't like using the word bastard yeah. to... So it was kind of completely counterproductive, I think. Yeah, I think. all the press right. releases we got through from yeah. Netflix had it starred out in the title. And obviously you have to for spam filters. Like it's mm. like, that's the reason they do it. But right. it just seemed ridiculous. Like, well, if you can't, why call it that if you can't then call it that when you're yeah. talking to journalists? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, that yeah, seems yeah. a bit silly. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a real that. shame, yeah. It is yeah. a shame. It's a real I shame. I think it's just, it's just the ruthless time, isn't it? I think where there's so many competitors now where Netflix is, revenue has been all over the place this year they're, they're, I mean if they were ruthless before I think they have to be extra ruthless this time there's just no room for error where perhaps they used to be a little bit before where you try trying and, and testing out lots of different things they're yeah. just they're just cutting things out completely but yeah that was obviously a terrible one and then the are we are we getting on to the the minx news which was absolutely baffling to me minx the fate saga no <laughs> sure <laughs> Sure, you 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 are airing that out every chance you get. Aren't you? Yes, yeah, it's yes. a good it's a good yes, pun. It's a good pun. I'm going to miss the puns the most, I think. <laughs> um, but the news that the second season of of it has been cancelled, even though it was nearly finished shooting, and not only that, but they've taken it off HBO Max completely, so you can't watch yeah. the show there. And it's not just that show. No, they're now taking. Quietly taking Westworld has come off, hasn't not it? That and quietly. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Not that quietly, because obviously yeah. people are kicking off. But there is something, something shady going on there. I the think Nevers the Nevers has gone. Westworld has gone. The time trap. My beloved time traveler's yeah. wife has <laughs> gone from HBO Max. They pulled a lot. Now I didn't have time to read around the actual reasons for this. I, my understanding is it's to do with residuals and money, uh, which is no huge surprise given that Warner's HBO are on a big old cash mm. drive at the moment to try and cut yeah. costs. But they, I, I mean, the Westworld thing, in my mind, I, my initial reaction was, is this feels slightly punitive. Like, like yeah, I don't know. Like Jonah Nolan and Lisa Joyce said they were leaving to go to Amazon, so they cancelled Westworld. Now they pulled it off the service. But I do think it, a lot of it is more to do with money. Like, they don't want to pay out this money. They said it's not gone forever. It is now It's going to come back. They're saying in some kind of ad support on one of their various ad-supported channels. I can't remember which one. So it's not like it's going to disappear forever. But for people who really like Westworld, and I'm actually one of them, 
that's a bit of a, a, a kick in the teeth. But but and I got into this a little bit on the Empire podcast. I think the bigger thing here for me is it has shaken me to my core in what I kind of established, you know, the rules of the game. So the rules of the game were we all had DVDs and Blu-rays and we owned our films. And then we were told, oh, you don't need those anymore. You just pay a little bit of money, you got streaming service, you've got access to all this shit all the time. You don't need physical media anymore. And we were like, oh, okay, that sounds brilliant. Let's do that. Except that's not true because they can take away your toys anytime they want, like really shitty parents. And I'm not happy about it. So, you know, it's it's like, I want my Westworld. I want to be able to watch my Westworld. And now I can't watch my Westworld. If I ever wanted to do a Westworld rewatch, what am I going to do? I don't know. So this is what I'm saying. It's not good. I'm not happy. No, it's a mess. It's a real mess. It's really confusing. That, I think that's the most, I think the most offensive element of it for me is that um, if you're going to, you know, to cancel shows that have already been renewed, you know, it's a bit like, it's, I mean, it's a bit like the whole what's going on with DC, you know, and Superman and all of that, and James Gunn. I find the whole thing well, same very, company, but yes, <laughs> yeah, right, same company. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, different, different executive, you know. Yeah. But they, they all like doing these, making these decisions, and it's like flying the face of what you know normal human beings uh, are expecting, and reversing decisions. It just seems like so so insulting to to, to do it yeah. and i think you know you should my feeling is that with westworld it's an ex- westworld cost i was reading about it 160 <laughs> million that last series right? absolutely confusing you know money well I mean, spent well <laughs> I, I mean it wasn't returned to film until the absolute disastrous finale um but but i was like well don't give it 160 million and then take it off your fucking platform you know through yeah, that just seems mad. mad the whole thing is mad make the right decision first do you, i don't know it's it's really it really is infuriating the whole thing yeah it is upsetting i mean you, you alluded there to the dc thing this is obviously that james gunn uh has come in and and sh- he's uh <laughs> he's uh uh was it permanently altered the hierarchy of power in the dc universe as the rock was <laughs> saying but you know ironically that's the reason why black adam's not coming back but yes henry cavill who quit the witcher to return right. to the role of Superman has now been made redundant as Superman. <laughs> Superman has been made redundant. And, and they can't no longer. The, the and they can't return to it because is- Liam Hemsworth is now Honestly. Geralt of Rivia. Yeah. So- what a mess. I know, what an absolute mess. So now we're not getting Cavill Superman back, but we're also not getting Cavill's Geralt. So we've now got, he's gone from that. That's already been recast. So that's all a bit of a bummer. So it's a bummer for DC fans. It's a bummer for Witcher fans. The only thing it's not a bummer for is massive Warhammer nerds because he has another job. He's been made God Emperor of Warhammer 40,000. So I don't even Beth, know what that means. Um, first of all, Boyd, I don't believe that for one second. You 100% have lots of little lead figures at your parents' house since ah. you as a kid. Uh, it's probably painted in supreme colours. I don't know, but nevertheless. Uh, so Henry Cavill is a great big fucking nerd like yeah. myself. And when I interviewed him for The Witcher Season 2, we had a big old chat about Warhammer 40,000. Uh, if you're interested, he's a big fan of the Adeptus Custodes. Anyway, he likes painting the little figures and uh, he went to Warhammer HQ and he's really inside. But he's been made genuinely, like almost like creative lead, it seems, of ongoing Warhammer 40,000 adaptations. So he's going to start in an executive produce Warhammer 40,000 adaptations across all Amazon Studios productions. So this is TV series, this is film, and it's potentially games and animation as well. (laughs) So he is like now the god of Warhammer 40,000. So in some ways, Henry Cavill gives absolutely no shits about The Witcher and no shits about Superman because he's got his dream job, which is as god emperor of the Warhammer universe. You know, I saw that that news about Warhammer being cancelled and then the Warhammer, and I just thought in the world of James Dyer, the Lord giver... (laughs) And, and he, yeah. he taketh away. Yeah. Do you know, I he, feel like I feel like it's a bigger deal that that Henry fucking Cavill 
was doing Warhammer. Like that is like your news to end the year on, yeah, I would have thought. Is. In the grim darkness of the far future, there is only Henry Cavill. And I just think he's going to be, just think about how fun he's going to be on that press circuit because he's already so giddy about the bloody thing and he's not even on it. The fact you two can wig out about it, you know, in an interview about something that has nothing to do with Warhammer. <laughs> he's going to be inconsolable on that press door. He's going to be so much fun. I feel like you're just going to be there every step of the way with him, like in West Wick or something. <laughs> Following around with a handful of D20s, just like, you're yes. Henry Cavill's Warhammer campaign. We're going to be like the head of the campaign. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty exciting. I'm I'm a big fan of the world building and the aesthetics yeah. of the grim dark Warhammer Forty Thousand Universe. So I'm I'm very excited that he's doing this because he loves this shit so much. You kind of got to think that he'll do a decent job. So do you think Rahul um, Kali is going to be in it? Did you see he he kind of called Henry out? to do Warhammer did. and he did it on Twitter and then the next day or the day after he the, the announcement was made and I was like did he know is he going to be in it because Maybe. that would be amazing because he loves it as well doesn't he he's a big Warhammer fan so I think that would be amazing I did actually talk to him about this I was saying like surely you would love to do this and I, th- I seem to call I can't remember actually what happened in the interview I can't remember if it was on <laughs> or out. off I, yeah, I blacked it out yeah. I can't remember what happened but I'm almost convinced he, said, he was kind of like slightly like hmm Yes, hmm. Like I think he did sort of a kind of a tip and a wink and a, hmm, something a might glimpse. be coming. Oh. We're in conversations, I think was maybe yeah. something that he said. But it turns out those conversations went quite well. Yeah. So 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 Henry Cavill then to lead Warhammer forty thousand. That's not the only James friendly news thing. So I'm dominating news, but frankly, it's been a very James newsy week. Mm. God of War, the God of War TV series has been greenlit, which is now going to be coming to Amazon as well. God of War and its Wheel of Time showrunner Rafe Judkins is going to be showrunner on the God of War TV show. And again, I'm fucking here for this as well. This is great, but, but I want Chris Judge in the role. So Chris Judge is Teal'c in Stargate SG One. Respect, Stargate. Uh, but also, he does the voice of Kratos, the god of war, in the video games, the two most recent video games. And I think he would be brilliant in the live action role. And I will accept no one else. So, Chris Judge for Kratos or, or die. Okay. I'm right. confused about God of War and Warhammer. And, yeah. Oh God. There's a lot of so war. Just as hammers. well, you've got a yeah. weekly source of information. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah. Spelled at your face yeah. whether you want it or not. Oh, don't worry, Beth. I will be available in the office to answer your questions as well, even if we don't do it on this podcast. Uh, yes. The God of War, not the God of War hammers, just the God of War. In yeah. fact, he doesn't have a hammer. He has a Leviathan axe. Yeah. Of course, of, of course he does. Of course he does. Yeah. Okay, is there any news that you guys oh. wish to share? <laughs> Sorry, are we, are we, is this thing on? Is this yeah. thing on? Um, I will jump in actually because really exciting news uh, that dropped for us in, in recording week yesterday was that Yellow Jackets has been renewed for a third season Ahead before of the second season. second season dropped. So that is really exciting. God knows where it's going to go, but I'm so excited to find out. I'm you know, I said when the, the first season came out how much I loved the Yellow Jackets community and jumping in and sharing your theories and, you know, just kind of when and who's going to do this? Who's the baby? Who's that baby? Um, that should be a regular, actually, in, in, in lieu of me not being here, if you could do a who's the baby regular, regular Yellow Jackets slot, that would be amazing. But yeah, much more Yellow Jackets, which is really exciting because... Well, it is exciting, but it is also like, oh, we're not going to get some questions answered for a very long time, I don't think, um, unless they expand the world beyond what we've seen in the first season. But yeah, I'm really excited. More great casting, please. I can't wait. Give me more. 
I had a bit of news that I will let you talk about because I've talked enough. But uh, we get asked one of the questions we get asked the most on social media is when the hell are people in the UK going to get to see our flag means death? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fourth of January. Fourth of January. <laughs> is uh, the answer to that. BBC um, Three. BBC, BBC Three. Uh, is it BBC Three? I thought it was BBC Two. Uh, oh, actually, you might be. Oh, no, you're right. It's BBC Two. Yeah, you're oh absolutely right. Oh, my God. Yeah. Do you know what? What a way to end my yes, What a it. legacy. Yeah. I actually, <laughs> yeah. I actually got, got, got something right. <laughs> and weirdly, did you talk about this last week? I'm sorry if you didn't, but Search Party, the last two seasons yes. of Search Party, which at this stage... That is BBC Three. <laughs> that is BBC Three. Yeah, that's what I, I mean, got confused that, about. I mean, that finale, that was about two years ago that came out. And I, the first season started in like 2016. I, I don't... I don't get it. I'm, I'm pleased people can watch it. I hope people still care about it, but I wouldn't be surprised if they don't. But yes, uh, 4th of January for our family's death. Very excited. Wish it had been sooner. Yeah. Um, but there we go. There we go. And we won't get to review it on the Part 2 podcast because we're not doing that week. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. You're the one. We should mention, here's, I know this, this, this is run by a bunch of absolute bellends. I'm not talking about this podcast. I'm talking about the Golden Globes, but they oh, did God. announce their nominations this week. And they are interesting for various reasons, one of which is that even in the even these idiots who recognise <laughs> a lot of good shows, right? There's a lot of good shows in the nominations. Wednesday got nominated, do you see that? Best TV series. Yes, they're very yeah. up to date. This is what I'd say. Yeah. They're very up to date. Because the White Lotus season two gets multiple nominations in this list. Not season one, season two. So they're bang up to date, but they have failed to give to nominate Ray Seahorn unbelievably still is being robbed of nominations for Better Call Saul. So she does not get nominated. And she, whereas, let me just, uh, the, the actress in the television drama series lead performance, Emma Darcy, House of the Dragon, Laura Linney, Ozark, Imelda Staunton for The Crown. I have to say, as much as I enjoy and like The Crown, I don't even think Imelda Staunton was that good as the Queen in The Crown. I have to I mean, she's fine. I'm, I'm absolutely yeah. over The Crown at this stage. Hilary <laughs> Swank in something called Alaska Daily. That I, I, I have failed to um, know what that is. I'm sorry. But that, I don't know what that is. Never um, and Zendaya, Zendaya, Zendaya for Euphoria, which is fair enough. Um, yeah, fair enough. But for Ray Seahorn to not to get in that list is fucking yeah, uh, ridiculous. Oh, actually mad. I've just actually given mad. But we should say that there are some good nominees. There are loads of nominations for, um, weirdly, the most nominated show was Abbott Elementary, yeah. the American yeah. um, school-based Which sitcom. I still haven't watched, you know. I think, I mean, it it's a good is, show. Um, yeah, whole of the first season's on Disney+. Plus. I don't know if the second is yet. I know it's I don't think so. Yeah. America. It's lovely. It's so lovely. Um, pleasant, like a real... Quinta Brunson, her mother was a teacher, so she made it um, with a sort of an ode to her. It's kind of harried, but like passion, passionate yeah. teachers, like battling against a really shit schooling system. Yeah, really, really lovely. Very like in the same feet as um, like The Office and things, those kind mm. of looks to camera and, and whatnot. But yeah, yeah, people love it. And the performances are wonderful. So yeah, it's so a really likable. Yeah, it's yeah. a really likable show, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Um, but, other, but other good nominations I was going to mention are, um, so the limited series category, Blackbird, The Dropout, which was good, Pam and Tommy, which was okay, and The White Lotus, which was obviously win. And do you see this, Beth, that Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story is nominated for best limited series yeah. i did and chose to question avoid yeah. so <laughs> you've risen above it <laughs> jennifer coolidge gets nominated quite rightly Obviously. for the white lotus yeah thankfully i think she's that's up, a win 
Yeah, well, you'd think. I mean, wouldn't yeah. we? Yeah, it has to. But uh, she's up against what, Aubrey Plaza, though, for that show, for the same show. It'll be it'll be Coolidge. It'll be Coolidge, you'd think. Yeah. Coolidge, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I know the Golden Globes are a load of old bullshit, but... <laughs> but <laughs> they are. That is accurate. Right. Let's call it on news. Let's head into reviews. And where else could we possibly begin than with The Witcher Blood Origin, the greatest of all Christmas presents. It arrives on Christmas Day <laughs> on Netflix. Uh, I mean, it wouldn't be Christmas without a Witcher tale to tuck into. And while we do obviously still not have the new series of the main show, Henry Cavill's last outing as the White Wolf, we instead have Blood Origin. And this is a four-part limited series. It goes back a thousand years to chart the creation of the very first Witcher. Boydy, which Witcher is the worst Witcher and which Witcher is the best Witcher? <laughs> Well, if there's a worse Witcher than Blood Origin, <laughs> I, 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 pity, I pity that Witcher. Um, oh, my word. I'm, I didn't mind the Witcher. You know, I can't remember what I said. Oh, oh it's very big of you. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was very fine. Big of yeah, it was fine, you know. It, uh, but I something has gone horribly wrong with this one, haven't I? With all, I mean, your mate Lawrence is very good in it. Yeah, yeah. he is He's very good in it. He is very good in it. He is... Pretty much, and I'm just saying this because you interviewed him, but he's one of the highlights of, of the show. He's very entertaining and funny. Him just swearing and you know having a good time, yeah. rollicking around. He is good. But I found this so – and, and, and we always say things are confusing. I always say things are confusing a lot with these kind of fantasy shows that you love. But this one just felt like a complete mess to me. I re really? It really did, yeah. Just like strung together characters – but can I ask, was it was it like was it the plot you found? Um, like, did you find it hard to follow? Because no, like, I didn't it's find an it hard interesting thing. No, no, no. It's, no it's, okay, I just good. Found it a mess. Okay, good. Because I, 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 I thought this was more simple than Main Witcher. You're right. No, it is. Sorry, dear. Well, not the plot. I'm, yeah, it, just 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 the messiness of it. Just the kind of cutting from one scene to the next with no flow. The editing. There's sort of obvious ADR moments. You know, there's, a lot, there's one bit, right? This is this will this will clarify what I mean. There's one moment in the first episode where there's this massive swooping. You know, that cliche of the camera glides down to a big CGI city scape somewhere, wherever the hell it was, and and the dialogue starts right. And honestly, I I, I forgot to time it. It's nearly like 15, 30 seconds later. You arrive at where they are in this cityscape, and you see, and you're thinking that is ADR. They've totally had to, you know. Kind of explain what the fuck's going on to the to the viewers who might have been confused about what is going on. So I just meant it messing the filmmaking, the acting, like very variable. I mean, very very variable. I, I know felt, you're not throwing shade at Lenny Henry Boyd. <laughs> Lenny, I mean, I love to see him, but he looked a bit <laughs> lost to me. I mean, I love him. I absolutely do love him, but he did look. He didn't look entirely comfortable. I have. To, I, I I felt anyway. Just saddled with some terrible dialogue. So yeah, I'm talking about. The terrible dialogue, the clunky characters, the not so great acting. Like I found Mini Driver. I mean, I love Mini Driver. She's, but I thought she was like, you know, struggling with. There's one bit where she had right at the beginning just to recite a long, a lot of dialogue, and I felt like she was visibly trying to remember it. You know, like what have I got to say here? What am I explaining? Because she's in the framing device, isn't she? I felt sorry for her. I, I just, yeah, it's more that I just felt very messy. And I did read after I decided that I thought it was very messy and slightly incoherent, even though the plot is much simpler. And Michelle Yeoh, but Yeoh should have arrived much earlier as well. I felt slightly wasted in, although I have only watched the first episode. I'm sure she'll come into it more as it goes on. But I just felt like, yeah, I just thought the dialogue was terrible. The characters were kind of cheesy, 
the, the the visuals were quite kitsch and you know kind of ridiculous. And then I read that it was originally going to be six parts, wasn't it? And it was cut down to yes, four. And I felt like that. Even I didn't genuinely didn't know that while I was watching it. And then I was, I was thinking that explains a lot that they've had to somehow reduce this to a mere four hours. Feel it felt like very much a show that had been fiddled around with and was not as, as intended fully. But you know, some of the characters were fun. That character Lawrence's character was fun and all that. And there's lots of gratuitous sex, violence, and swearing. Everything so, you want from The Witcher. Uh, yeah, almost <laughs> always in favour of that. I enjoyed some of that, but generally messy for me. So for a bit of context, we got sent the links for this quite early, uh, at least James and I. Months ago. Months ago. And I did send James a me- <laughs> an ambiguous message on a Friday night, which he thought I'd sent to someone else. <laughs> um, <laughs> saying, two bards, are you fucking kidding me? James, is it? Am I on something? Or did a snowy dog just walk behind your head? <laughs> there is a snowy dog walking around in the background, yes. That's great. Yeah. I missed that. It's what? not my dog. It is my mum's dog. Oh. <laughs> I, got, I nearly did a cartoonish wiping of my eyes yeah, because yeah. I'm that... Double take. We're at the end of the year. I'm that tired. I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm literally hallucinating little snowy dogs walking oh, behind no, Jason's no, head. Oh, no, no, Beth. There was a dog that lived here. <laughs> Many years ago. Look, look at it. Dami oh, Listeners, I'm Dami There's literally a little dog's face at the closed door, a, a kind of a glass door. That is so brilliant. He's he's clearly he's clearly realised that you're talking about him because he's just been pouring at the glass. He's look at that. Got, look. He's, got, he's literally pouring at the glass. That That's precious so little funny. boy. Listeners, it's oh. like a little Caesar, the Caesar's dog. Oh, oh it's lovely. Hold on, because I'm actually going to have to, because otherwise yeah, I'm going to have to the cut the audio out. Let me, let, me, let me remove said dog. Uh, so James is walking to the door now. The dog is... Oh, oh it seems to, why don't you just bring the dog in? He's bending down to bark. deal with the dog. The dog's yeah. been... Oh, the dog's been banished. The dog He's taking under the dog his away. Arm. Yeah. yeah. This under is his cruel. arm like a little purse he's yeah, just I might have to call the shot. RSPCA um, because I don't know what he's doing with that dog that was a but, very dutiful removal of the dog yeah that's so James he doesn't want allow any audio you know no. disruption no. there might have been some barking no matter whereas, how adorable yeah whereas when I interviewed Sarah Phelps for example for an actual like prime video thing she yeah. had like three different dogs on her lap practically. They were all yapping away and she didn't mind. <laughs> we're just talking about how you banished your dog because of audio reasons. Yes, yeah. I did. Oh no, we're keeping all this in. We're we got all people in because we've just yeah. narrated it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, so I, I sent this message out to James on the night and said, two bards, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> um, which just completely went over his head because he didn't realise what I was watching. But yes, I was, the, the, the introduction to this, let's just say, was not on my wavelength given my opinions of a set character um in the original witches series that said i had a really good time with this <laughs> and i was shocked with everybody else oh my god um yes so yeah once i got over that that sort of annoying bridging of the worlds i found this to be i mean maybe it's just i'm, I'm comparing it to the witcher rather than like everything else in life but i i found it more accessible i really liked the characters, I found it like it's Witcher. I wasn't expecting like talking dialogue, but I thought it was like dumb and fun and with some absolutely wonderful set pieces. There's a, um, uh, is it like a bank or yeah, a? Yeah, it's a bank. It's a bank. There's a big ensemble fight in a bank, and you've got you've got Michelle Yeoh in there. She's like a troubled elf with a fucking kick ass 
sword thing. It is just a sword, I think. She's she she knows her way around a blade. That's, she does. That's it. And all these different kind of styles of of fighting happening at the same time in between them all. And that was just really cool to watch. I just haven't, I don't watch a lot of shows like this. So when I see something (laughs) like that and it works, I'm really on board with it. I had a really good time with that. I thought Sophia Brown as, uh, I'm I'm not going to say the the names very well, the Warrior Queens. The Lark. Um, you yeah. can call her the lark. She was great. I kind of like the sexual tension between her and the beefy fella. I, I just thought it was it was fun. There wasn't too much depth to it. It didn't plummet into the mythology too much. It was just a kind of really fun ensemble fantasy that had loads of action. Everybody felt quite different and new for that world. And I just, yeah, I, I had a pretty good time with it. Lenny Henry, probably the weakest link. I'm sorry, Lenny. But it is Lenny fucking Henry. I know his son brings a power, but like, mm. it's Lenny Henry in a, in a, doing fantasy. It's going to be a rocky road. You know, it's not going to be a smooth transition. He's doing his best. Yeah, I had a good time. I, do you know what? I watched all four episodes. Can you believe it? No. Can you believe it? I watched but, but all cannot of them. Believe Did, it. No, I, genuinely, neither can I. <laughs> <laughs> Beth is going out on a massively dramatic. I know. Um, mic drop. I've watched this. Yeah. Four, you've this watched is four hours wild. of this. Yeah. This is like me coming back and saying, I just yeah. binged the whole season of Married at First Sight Australia. <laughs> like, it's Do you know like, what I mean? Yeah. I mean, for, for, for some, some context, I did, and this will be in the issue out next week, I did have the absolute thrilling joy of speaking to Michelle Yeoh um, uh, for the magazine. So okay. I did want to make sure I saw as much of her as I could. And I agree with you, but I would have obviously loved to have seen more of her in this. And I, feel like maybe it was i don't know she's booked and busy these days that lady but yeah. otherwise i'm sure they would have tried to you know just make up bits for the woman you've got michelle Yeoh <laughs> in, yeah. right. yeah. in your spin-off fantasy like but i'm, I'm sure there's logistical reasons she wasn't in anymore but when she is there and she is in full kick-ass oh my god she's just breathtaking she's just great and it's really cool to see her in like a fantasy sort of world as well kind of moving around as michelle Yeoh. i thought it was great yeah yeah, as I say, I'm as surprised as you are. <laughs> this is this is a revelation, Beth. I'm just mortified that you're leaving because I feel like finally I've moved the needle. I have finally, after years of exposure to me, it, okay, like via osmosis, okay. it has started to soak in. So you know, over Christmas, I will put together a viewing program for you. Oh like, my oh, you'll gosh. love it. You'll what love it. What have I done? What yeah. have I done? Yeah, it's interesting. Like this show has taken a bit of a kicking in the reviews. Our own Dan Jolin gave it two stars on the Empire website. Oh, did uh, he? And yeah, and the reviews have been pretty negative. I have to say, so when I saw this, and it was again, it was a few months ago. It was an incredibly unfinished version. Like the effects, so it's taken on some kicking for the effects quality. I can't speak to that because the effects I saw were very unfinished. So I was like, oh well, you know, they, and they were genuinely unfinished. Not like oh, they looked unfinished because they were rubbish. They, they were actually in an unfinished state. I thought this was an interesting one because. The Witcher takes a lot of shit for being overly arcane and complex, convoluted, hard to follow. And this isn't. It's a very simple setup. It's a revenge story. It's got a seven samurai backbone to it. It's very iconic in that regard and quite easy to follow. And I actually thought, weirdly, that would maybe work in its favour because it's not alienating as you have evidenced here. Like, it, you weren't like, what the fuck? Why are people being turned into eels? What timeline is this? I don't understand this narrative, <laughs> you know, like which The Witcher does to people. Um, so that, that I think, is 
quite good about it. And I also think the main two characters, sort of Fjall and the Lark, are really, really good. I will say Francesca Mills as Meldoff the Dwarf is a delight in this. She's a lot, a lot of fun to be around. And actually, you wish she had more to do as well. She's great fun. Michelle Yeoh is a lot of fun in it too. Uh, Mirren Mack, who plays the Empress, is, I think, possibly in a different show. But sure, <laughs> fine, whatever. Yeah. We can go with that. I mean, kind of ditto Lenny Henry, actually. So <laughs> there's I a lot of different th- show things going on. That's what I'd say. Yeah. Everyone seems to be a different show. Yeah. I think there's a lot to like here. And like I said, this setup, that Seven Samurai setup works very well. So I think, and unfortunately, this is the, the first two episodes, I actually thought this had a lot of promise and I really liked it. I think it doesn't pay that off in the final two so it is a limited series it is only these four parts but i feel like it, it has a lot of it sets a lot of things in motion and then forgets about a lot of them in the final two i think what could have been a, a sort of slightly more grand interesting story becomes quite focused and simplistic maybe towards the end like i like i say i, I enjoyed it a lot but i think it doesn't live up to its potential so i do understand why people haven't maybe loved it i don't think it's on a par with the main witcher series so uh yeah by the time i got to the fourth episode i was like you know what i liked it but i i didn't love love it so yeah the witcher blood origin but having said that this is what father christmas is bringing to you he's coming down the chimney armed with the witcher blood origin on christmas day it will be on netflix and so frankly you're all going to be eating it while stuffed with turkey and mulled wines you're not going to care anyway uh but enjoy that now thematically similar to the witcher blood origin (laughs) we have vardy v rooney now or i should give it its full title vardy v rooney colon a courtroom drama, which turns the court transcripts from the Wackatha Christie trial into a limited Channel 4 series starring Natalia Tainer as the former and Chanel Cresswell as the latter. Now, we were given several episodes to review. I have saved and screenshotted all the original episodes, which clearly show that only one person has viewed them. <laughs> it's Beth Webb's account. <laughs> I'll see you in court, James. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would be a shame, wouldn't it? I'd see yeah. the courtroom drama. Wow. Diamonds as well. <laughs> I'd like to see it, yeah. <laughs> we can get Helen on one of the... I, I banged oh, Helen, actually. Helen, like Helen, Helen, yeah. Helen versus James, a courtroom drama. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she would never defend me, so... <laughs> no, no, that's right. I, yeah, so I got caught up sort of in the slipstream of the excitement of this story when it broke. I am invested in neither party but i was happy for the people that were like i've obviously got a lot of friends who you know love a bit of daily mail gossip love a bit of that uok hun instagram account love a bit of bit bit of wag drama love that stuff and i love them so when this broke which it is an exceptional story isn't it so it is as james alluded to colleen rooney tricking rebecca vardy via a function on instagram so that she could kind of wheedle her out as someone who had been leaking, I think, stories of her to um, tabloids. And then Colleen really dropped the bomb and did this big reveal that she'd she'd found out who it was in just the most dramatic way ever. And that's how the show starts. That's how it drops you in. It's Colleen Rooney handwriting at a desk as if this is some like old timey drama. <laughs> the, the the very reveal that kind of kicked this all off. It was very poetic to be fair. There was such a beautiful drama to it that you you know how real life will always just be so much better than anything you watch. There was something so dramatic and intoxicating about that reveal and that's where it kind of lands so it like drops you straight in it and then it becomes a courtroom drama 
And it's a courtroom drama where the word surplus bundle is used <laughs> as a as a prop device. Uh, if you could turn to the surplus bundle, please, <laughs> with Michael Sheen as uh, Barrister David Sherborne, just doing uh, as much as he can to invigorate those two words next to each other. And even with Michael Sheen behind it, this becomes somehow just such a ploddy. It's just reading shit out. It's just reading. <laughs> it's just reading shit out for the best part of an hour. So, and there's like, there's no way to make this interesting, even after that big reveal for me. Even when that, so it is just, it is a courtroom drama. It is exactly what it says in the tin, but I thought it would be pacey and, you know, invigorating and, you know, and, and sort of screaming and shouting. But it's just people reading stuff out and then people in quite nice flats exchanging text messages. And even the text messages, it, it's just, it, it feels very sterile. And I know that it's going to take a twist and turn, you know, at the end of it. it, it so the first episode, which is, uh, thank Christ, the only one I got through. <laughs> it was the point of view of Rebecca Vardy. She is on the stand. She is being called out by David Sherburn, who is who's just having the, the best time. This is Rooney's barrister and, and he's just hanging her out to dry. You know, there are points to be made. There's a lot of, of context about, you know, class and fame and what people do and how people monetize on privacy. And, you know, as someone who's done like media law for their degree, it was just like being in a lecture about media law hosted by Michael Sheen saying things like surplus bundle. Those points were either too subtle or they, or they it was just they just didn't land. And I feel like the performers were doing this. There's no fault in the performers. They were doing the absolute best they could. Natalia Tenner, who is, you know, playing Vardy, and she's very good at kind of, you know, there's more to what you're seeing. So she's, you know, stuttering over things. And you're, you know, you're siding with the barrister. He's making some really concrete arguments against her when he's interrogating her. And he's saying, you know, you're basically scum is what he's saying he's not pussyfooting around it he's going with this this argument that you know she's she's trying to throw people under the bus she's leaking stories she's you know sending people's private lights out to daily mail and such and yeah she's doing her absolute best i just found the whole thing just impossibly dour and slow and i i just stopped and it just it is a shame even though i wasn't immediately invested in that story i feel like it should be done more justice than what i'm watching here i was just flabbergasted that something so exciting could be made so long and boring so i will not be continuing with with this um with this show sadly. well my intro should have been vardy v rooney v web <laughs> yeah so, wow yeah well in, in, a, in a weird yeah I, I i enjoyed it yeah i did enjoy it i've watched i watched the whole thing i mean there's only two parts but uh, I happily made it through both parts. I think a huge credit to the actors. I do think Chanel Cresswell's Colleen and Natalia Tenner, they did a, both did a really good job because they do, there's loads of, um, because it is absolutely just using verbatim what they said in court and in their statements, their legal statements, that they kind of brought that to life, both of them in, in, in very, in, very impressively. And there's a lot of looks, like there are a lot of kind of like, there's a lot, loads of moments where, Particularly, Rebecca Natalia is looking at looks at the judge, Milady. She calls her Milady, and she has a little glance. There's lots of kind of like 
you know, I really mean, uh, you know, get me out of this hellish interrogation kind of things. And the judge is looking askance in a direction. There's lots of stuff like that. And uh, Michael Sheen having a lovely time as David Sherborne, the, the barrister. And it kind of does. And I thought, it's interesting because he's an exec producer on the show, which I, well, I, was, I saw in the credits. Yeah. And I wonder the extent to which he got involved because it gives him a, a juicy role of this um of this barrister is having slightly too good a time. Uh, I think. <laughs> yeah, he's whereas, having the most fun. Yeah. Whereas Hugh Tomlinson, who is Bardi's barrister, he is much more sober and kind of just cleverly wheedling away, trying to get some, trying to expose the fact there's no actual evidence. You know, that's his constant. Obviously, that, that's what he's trying to do in this particular legal case. And remember, it is astonishing. The most incredible thing about the whole story, and this is a story that's been covered fully in Heat Magazine, obviously, which I work for, and all the papers, etc. But And it is an amazing story. But the most amazing thing about it, even more than Colleen Rooney doing her work at the Christie thing and going, finding out, working out brilliantly who was responsible for leaking these stories, is that... Rebecca Vardy was the one who took her to court. Rebecca Vardy initiated this fucking ridiculous trial, <laughs> accusing her of, of defamation, as it was before, but yeah, libel. And that, and that to, pl- to watch that play out and to watch her clear regret that she has to, she's been, she's, you know, she kind of admits in all of these text messages <laughs> that she is trying to t- sell stories about these people to the papers, particularly to the Sun. And there's so many funny elements. The fact that her publicist agent, whatever, threw threw the iPhone off off the boat and into the sea, etc. All of this stuff is very entertaining and juicy. And I was entertained by the dramatization of it. I thought there was some clever moments whereby they got the journalists who attended the trial to kind of expound on the the narrative to kind of almost be the narrators of it. So actual real journalists who work for Sky and I think one of the uh, papers were quoted quite a lot and they almost narrate the thing to explain what the hell is going on. So I thought it was quite clever in the end and I and and, and very entertaining and particularly well acted by by all of them. Um but but particularly by Natalia Tane and Shadow Cressel who did both very well. So yeah I, I I rather liked it and I was I didn't mind the bundle the bundle um, <laughs> the supplementary bundles. The supplementary bundles. That was it. Is this, in fact, a supplementary bundle of the stage play? Like, it's an adaptation of no, that? No, the just stage both... play is separate, I believe. Okay, so, but they're both yeah. doing the same both thing. Both, they're dramatising yeah. the, yeah. the transcripts. Okay, yeah, effectively. Oh, the other funny thing I wanted to mention, sorry, one more funny thing, is, is the husbands. Is actual, is, is the guy who plays Wayne Rooney, who's Dion Lloyd, who kind of vaguely looks a bit like Wayne Rooney. It's, <laughs> that made me laugh so much. And the guy who plays Jamie Vardy is, looks incredibly like him, but he's clearly, I don't know if he's an actual actor, because he really looks like Jamie Vardy, but only gets to say, like, but in fact, nothing gets said at one word or something <laughs> in the whole show. So as, a, as an aficionado, not only of this story, but of football and what it meant for like to have Wayne Rooney arguing with Jamie Vardy. And I, I, by the way, I don't like Jamie Vardy, j- just generally. That's just a side point. Um, w- all of it was fascinating for me. So it's, it's kind of naturally in my wheelhouse, this whole thing. James? I mean, I don't care. <laughs> no. One way or the other. I, I, had, I didn't have any interest in this when it was actually happening. I mean, beyond no. the wag of the Christie pun, which is God level. Uh, and I love that, whoever came up with that. But uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, yes, there was some, when it was in the zeitgeist, I was like, oh, this is vaguely interesting. But I, like, I'm not interested in football. I'm not interested in the people. I suppose my question for you is this. This is in two parts. I've only seen the first part. But in the second part of this, like, are, are our sympathies ever taken the other way? Because the first episode of this is very much like, Rebecca Vardy is awful. Rebecca Vardy did this. Rebecca Vardy is suing because she's a moron. Like, but but at no point are you ever sympathetic towards it. Does that change? 
Um, a little bit, yeah, a little bit, because because the second half is more focused on Colleen Rooney and the lack of actual evidence, despite you know, incontrovertible evidence. There's the, there's kind of you know that there's. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, there's, yeah, you're, you're, you're. There's slightly more. You feel, but not a huge. Okay. Amount, I have to say, yeah, okay. slightly more. Because I, I felt that first time. Because I know how this ends. Even I, inured yeah. as I am to popular yeah. culture and things, yeah. know how this ends. Yeah. So I was a bit like, well, I mean, if I know how it ends, and I also kind of don't feel in any way conflicted going through it, I'm not sure what I'm getting out of this. But as Beth said, I just found it. I found the the idea of like just just dramatizing the transcripts. I just found it a bit plodding. I was a bit like, I feel like I'm doing jury service. Honestly, um, mm. <laughs> and and I'm not getting paid, so uh, no, I didn't. I I, no. I didn't. I didn't feel the urge to watch the second one. Sorry. So, but anyway, anyway, you know, this was never going to be for me. So don't listen to me. Listen to other people like <laughs> Beth, uh, Vardy V Rooney, then, which is on the Channel Four on the twenty second yes. of December. So Thursday. Correct. Look at that. See, I had it to hand. See, I, I slowed down a little bit there so I could pull up my document. Don't know if you noticed, but I did manage to get it before the critical moment. So that's good. Finally, this week, we have the main event. It's Happy <laughs> Valley. Proof positive that Sally Wainwright doesn't believe in nominative determinism. Uh, the third series returns. Wait for it. Wait for it. Seven years after we last spent time with Sarah Lancashire's Sergeant Karen Kaywood, a Bobby on the Beat in West Yorkshire, whose tale is intertwined with that of serial rapist Tommy Lee Royce, the father of her grandson, Ryan, and the cause of her daughter's suicide. And she now lives with her sister, who's an alcoholic and heroin addict, and has to deal with institutional sexism in the workplace, who gets beaten up and sent to hospital in the previous season. So, you know, a laugh riot, this one is not. However, it's also completely completely brilliant and its return is cause for celebration if not mirth boydy how happy was your valley after watching this i'm so glad you didn't ask me that <laughs> yeah oh my god yeah. no 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 Steady on. <laughs> my my valley could not be happier um i mentioned last because i couldn't wait because i'm that kind of pathetic person that when i see something i have to kind of Bang on, go on about it as soon as I've seen it. So I went to this, they had a, a screening of it at the BFI in London and Q&A afterwards with James Norton and Siobhan Finneran. Um, Sarah Lancashire doesn't do any interviews, by the way. She hates doing interviews properly, cannot stand really? the process. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, How's that spoken to you, Boyd? Is this, are you the cause well, of this? No, 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 no. The, uh, what, uh, side, <laughs> sidebar, <laughs> I hosted the BAFTA TV Awards um, press room a few times in the past. When she won one year, I think for this show, and she could barely speak. Like she was really nervous about facing the press in this room, you know. And and I ended up pretty much welling up and crying about the whole experience. It was quite astonishing to see. And she and she said, you know, I really can't stand talking about myself. And and you know, fair enough. So she doesn't do any press at all, which is interesting. So it was just um, just uh, James James Norton, who's absolutely. Lovely guy, couldn't be more different from the psychopath who plays in the show. Um, and Sean Finneran, who's brilliant um, as the sister, as you say. Sally Rainwright was supposed to be there, but she was she was ill, I believe. Anyway, I think the first two series of Happy Valley, as I think I said last week, are among the very best TV crime dramas ever. Agreed. You know, that good. And the seven-year wait is extraordinary. And as I also mentioned, the genuine reason for that, and when someone told me this, I, I thought they were joking, but the genuine reason why Sally Rainwright has waited seven years, it was always in her plan that she wanted the third series to be about how the grandson, who is the progeny, if you like, of the evil man raping his mother, 
got to the point where he was old enough to make his own decisions about how to deal with his father and how to, whether to have any contact with his father, etc., and how to kind of negotiate that, re- that really troubling, difficult, traumatic thing in his life. And she's waited genuinely till the actor is 16 years old and he was nine when he was a kid in, in the show. And here he is now, you know, uh, seven years later, sure enough, and he's really good. And they did actually say in the Q&A, at one point, oh, you know, they, they were worried whether he could act or not. Because what, if he, what if he was terrible? Yeah, because <laughs> there is a difference between a nine-year-old acting and mm. what you get them to do, and a 16-year-old, and he really is at the focus of this series. Yeah. So, Rhys Connor is his name, I meant to mention his name, and he is really, really good. This is a show that, and I said, again, the very first scene where you're welcome back to the world of Catherine Kaywood. She's in. She's about to retire. She's got a few months till she retires from the police, and she can't wait. She's called to a kind of a, a, a kind of ditch kind of where there are bones that have been discovered in a kind of cold case. And she immediately is kind of patronized by these two colleagues, blokes who are investigating. And she's trying yeah. to give them information that she has about this body. And they're like dismissing it. You're like, what do you know? And she's like twats. She calls them twats and she storms <laughs> off. And this is the pre-credit sequence. This pre-credit <laughs> sequence is like funnier, more compelling, more for brilliantly depicting this character more better acted than anything you know I've seen for months on TV it's so good and then it doesn't and it doesn't let up from there and what is phenomenal about the series is you've got the this underlying storyline that is amazingly fascinating about Tommy Lee Royce the James Norton character he's now in prison him trying to make contact with his son and how annoyed and infurious Catherine is, quite rightly, about that whole thing, and and how that fits in with her sister and her sister's boyfriend, and this whole storyline about what is going to happen in the end with Catherine and Tommy Lee Royce is really about that that kind of antagonism between the two of them. And he is brilliant. He's now got this kind of like Jesus Christ like look, long hair and like fa- you know face fuzz, looking li- deliberately. You feel like trying to look like Jesus Christ. He is brilliant. There's a bit where his lawyer comes to see him because he's being investigated. Is there a connection between him and this cold case? And he sits right next to his lawyer, literally like touching him. And that just that one moment is like, just sums up this creepiness of this terrifying character. But what I was, what I was about to say was there's a whole, she pro- always provides a, a, a parallel storyline um, in all of the series, which are equally fascinating as this main ongoing story itself. And in this, the parallel storyline, which involves a teacher, a bell end of a teacher at Ryan's school and the teacher's wife and um, another character who's a chemist, who's a local chemist. And I won't say much more than that, but just to say that that deals with, you know, coercive control and um, male power and this horrendous macho fuckwit of a character that Catherine Cade has to deal with and you know, all of that. And that is um, inst- as riveting and enthralling and as shocking and as powerful as anything else you'd see on TV that would have a whole 12-part series devoted to that storyline. Here it's kind of the side story, if you like, the new side story going along the main story. I cannot. I just think every character is brilliantly cast you know, from the minor ones to the major ones. They're left with a brilliant cliffhanger at the end of the first episode. She completely, like Sully Wainwright, knows how to write an hour TV show like no one else, apart from maybe Russell T. Davis, because she really loves TV. You know, she builds to a brilliant cliffhanger at the end of every episode. So I've seen the second episode. There's another massive cliffhanger at the end of that episode. And so I think she's a genius, a proper genius. This is one, this has, this is absolutely keeps up the quality of this show from the first two series, it is one of the greatest 
TV dramas of all time. Oh my god! Yeah, how there am I supposed to? Follow, how am I supposed to follow that? That's <laughs> it. Mic drop from Void. Oh, yeah, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm going to well, pick Beth, it up so, in. So a little bit of context. So Beth, you've not seen the first two seasons, have you? So it's series, I should say. No. It's a British show. You've oh, not seen the first two series. So you oh, thought, God. oh, it's a show. It's called Happy Valley. It'd be nice, nice, uplifting little thing. Well, no, sh- because I'm not deaf and I've been on this podcast for the best part of two years. So no, I'm very aware of it. I've been Do you want to know why like- it's called Happy Valley? Because she's got a fantastic sense of irony. I don't know. Uh, it's obviously set in the Calder Valley. Right. And apparently the police in the area call it Happy Valley because of the drug problem. Oh, God. Well, that's it in a fucking nutshell, isn't it? <laughs> no, I hadn't watched it before. I felt like I'd watched it before because of, of Pilot. What's going on? Yeah. Full stop. Mm. Yeah. And just that extra intrigue of, of James of all people being um, <laughs> invested in this. I was like, well, you, you have my attention. Um, and then obviously, yeah. Uh, sat down to watch this very early in the morning the other day and oh my god the introductory montage jesus christ oh wow oh yeah. my goodness it was <laughs> it was a it, it was bordering on parody at one stage and i know none of it is very laughable but it was just it was like bush oh she was great bush and then she oh, killed god. herself bush heroin addict bush serial rapist like beaten up and left for dead brush 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 and i was just like reeling from that that was the opening minute or two of the bloody show oh my god and then you go into it and yeah happy is not as i say just a very strong sense of irony i'm sure it is on purpose but oh my god i mean it's brilliant it is brilliant it's completely brilliant Sarah Lancashire is a majesty, just sheer majesty. Like, and I'm I'm such a fan of any really like nuanced performance, and I don't think it becomes much more. Like, there's moments where she's she's just talking into her um, police radio, and that is enthralling to me. I'm having a great time just watching her chatting um, and going about her day. I'd watch her do admin, you know. I'd watch her just do a bit of. Um, a bit of work on the spreadsheets, but instead I do have to watch and navigate this uh, pretty consuming, insufferable. I'm glad they're putting it out. I'm, I'm slightly worried they're putting it out on the 1st of January, notoriously the most depressing month of the year, that they're yeah. dropping this incredibly powerful but incredibly depressing season into our into our laps. Um, you you find yourself, there is there is a few moments of like, not even joy just like everyday life which you kind of find yourself clinging to i've only watched the first episode so far i am i am going to watch the second one but there is just a moment in the first one it's not not spoilers but they're just sort of sitting around her and her collective family i only know who half the fucking characters are by the way but there's a there's a big sort of group dinner they're having and they're sort of passing things around and kind of ribbing each other slightly and, and laughing and joking having a nice time and you just find yourself clinging to that in this otherwise completely dour situation where everybody's got a dark side it seems even the the slightly more heroic people the stuff with the pharmacy is um as you say challenging that's not great there's a there's a real piece of shit and teacher who, who takes the prize already for the bell end of 2023 i think <laughs> yeah. even yeah. in that really show yeah. you've yeah. got to be a, a, a like a like a throbbing bell end to oh. be the bell end of happy yeah. valley <laughs> yeah you're right you're right yeah um in that and i mean james norton is fascinating i haven't seen him in that much stuff steve steve webb will be listening to this steve webb's got him as his top choice for bond he wants him for for james bond but it's um interesting 
see him in this role. He is absolutely riveting. Um, there's a moment where he's he's obviously got this like thick accent and he's trying to learn Spanish, I think it is. And that in itself is like a real masterpiece in in acting, which you can kind of stumble over his words there. And he's just just really, really interesting. The hair is horrible. I hate the hair. Absolutely hate the hair. And then it, it ends on this massive cliff, cliffhanger, obviously, and sets it up for the rest of the season, which I'm sure will be equally dour and, and compelling and in equal measure. But I was pleased I didn't need to have seen the rest of the show to watch this. It just meant having to endure a pretty relentless first <laughs> recap. 90 seconds. Well, yeah. Also, even without the recap, I kind of think, and Boydie alluded, alluded to this, the, the prologue, the pre-credit thing where they find the cold case body, that scene tells you everything you need to know about that character. There is like 100%, everything you need to know about that character is in that scene just from a character point of view. It is masterfully told, this is, and it's superlatively acted. Sarah Lancashire is genuinely extraordinary. Like in, And not just in this series, like the previous ones as well. Just the performance is incredible. And this isn't my cup of tea normally, because it is so dour and bleak. And I came to this quite late, so I haven't had to wait seven years at all. I think I only watched it two years ago. So it, was, I, it might have been last year. I think it was the year before I watched Happy Valley. But... And I was completely obsessed with it. I believe I banged on about it, as is my want, several weeks running on this podcast. But it's 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 magnificent. I can't recommend it enough. If like if there were ever a way to spend your New Year's Day, admittedly, you know, fortify yourself perhaps a little bit, have some chocolate on standby in case you need it. But it's just such gripping stuff. It is so good. And you know what? I just would say one thing as well is weirdly for me, or not even weirdly, I think the real amazing thing about the show is it's dealing with the bleakest of stuff the worst people in the world the worst men in the world particularly mm. but somehow it is funny as well there is actually <laughs> yeah and so there's a weird amazing way that she makes it entertaining because she had the humor is it's in that very first scene where she turns around and calls them twats and yeah. a lot of it revolves around her particularly the way she deals with people is she's funny she is funny so i think that actually kind of makes it feel actually feels a lot less heavy weight deliberate than it might yeah. because it is realistic it's there is humor in everything that's, really dark humor yeah really really yeah. the darkest of humor but she's so deadpan there's a there's a, an incident in the second episode involving a cock and balls which again yes. is, is a right. properly oh, funny line yeah. a properly funny line right. and you're like so, that's, yeah. that's good yeah. shit. that's the genius really actually because <laughs> mm. it is entertaining it's incredibly entertaining as well as unbelievably fucking bleak <laughs> yeah so yeah Happy Valley then, your first must-see show of 2023, which drops on New Year's Day on BBC One. Is it one? Yes. Is it one? It is yes. one. Yes. Good. Thank you. That's it. So let's, before we do anything else, well, let's, our pick of the week is obviously Happy Valley. Yes. Any dissent on yeah. that? Sorry, yeah. I know, Boydie, you probably want to go to bat oh for God. The Witcher Blood Origin. In fact, you know what? Beth may well want to <laughs> go to bat no, for The Witcher Blood have, Origin. I could just said that, James, but yeah. you're never going to know. Yeah. No, you're no, never going to know. No, I can't. <laughs> oh, I'm going to wreck on it. Beth's pick of the week is The Witcher Blood Origin. <laughs> yeah. And Boydie's Happy Valley. Uh, right. Okay. So, so. What else is out? Not just this week, Boydie. Right. But get, until right. we are back. Yeah. This is going to take a little while. So imagine yeah. this is like my equivalent <laughs> of like, you know, getting your marker pen yeah. in your copy of a listings magazine or something. So yeah. I'll just highlight these things. Here we go. I've got it all written down here. Okay. On Monday, 
Uh, when this podcast comes out, we've got 1923. Yes, the new Yellowstone spin-off, which we got screeners for late last night and didn't yeah, have time to see in time no, for this podcast. No, with actual fucking Helen Mirren and, and actual fucking Harrison, Harrison Ford. Ford. <laughs> Harrison fucking Ford. Okay, on TV, Monday, Paramount+. Plus. Um, yes. I Hate Susie 2, Tuesday. That yeah. runs over three consecutive nights. I have seen it. It is fantastic. Even though in the end we didn't get Billy Piper, by the way, we hoped to get Billy Piper for the podcast for various reasons. She was ill, actually, on the day. She was ill, annoyingly. yes. Otherwise, yeah. I wanted to come like, on in character as yeah, Terry. as Terry. But I feel like that's something like out of the show itself, that the actor actress gets ill <laughs> on the day she's supposed to do a junkie. Yeah. It's very much in keeping with I Hate Susie too. Yeah. But it's brilliant, the new series, the new three-parter. She's got a great new team of like a publicist and an agent. And they're, it's brilliant. Wednesday, Emily in Paris. Emily in Paris. On the Netflix. Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan, one of Jason's favourites, is back. On yep. the Prime Video. And I'm doing this service as well now. You can see The Banshees of Inner Sharon, which is one of the best films, if not the best film of the year, on Disney Plus on that day. Third, on it's the third best film of the year, if you, according to the yeah. Empire Magazine Best of the Year. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, they gave uh, Avatar five stars. So. Um, uh, Thursday, Thursday the 22nd, inside number nine Christmas special, which I've seen and is very, very good. Classic Christmas special from Inside Number Nine and Riches, which is an ITVX drama, which I've also seen is very entertaining. Which is a kind of about a black British family who are in the um, beauty industry, and it's like a kind of, it's like a kind of Dallas dynasty, but better and classier, but really entertaining for the twenty first century. There, that's really good. That's on ITVX uh, on Tuesday, on Thursday. Sorry, Top Gun Maverick comes to Paramount Plus that day as well. Talking of films of the year, the final of the traitors is on that day as well. It's a big <laughs> night, the twenty second, twenty third. Motherland Christmas special uh, is on BBC One, not BBC Two. Moved to BBC One, and there's David Williams' Red Riding Hood after ever after on Sky Max. All creatures great and small Christmas special on Channel Five, and Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery, one of the other films of the year, comes to Netflix on that day. Why are you doing movies? We've got so many because, TV shows. <laughs> because I'm providing this to service. Okay, Morton Wilde's on Fishing Christmas Eve. Christmas Carol, which is a one-off on Sky Max, and entirely built around the pun that someone called Carol, with a knee on the end, as stars Saran Jones. Um, and it's supposed to be quite funny. I haven't seen it yet. Christmas Day, uh, Ghost Christmas Special. Boxing Day, Treason on Netflix, which is a really good espionage drama that I've seen with, what's his name from Daredevil? Charlie Cox. Crap, that's it. And The Detectorist Christmas Special is on that day. A lot of fans of The Detectorist out there. It's a really good show. Tuesday, Riptide, a Channel 5, I uh, think three or four-parter is on all week. That's their latest crime thriller drama thing, which I, which I haven't seen yet. Wednesday, the 28th, Mayflies, Martin Compston in a two-parter adapted from the Andrew O'Hagan novel. That is not a bundle of laughs, I must say, but is really good. I've seen that. That's really good on Wednesday over two nights. And Without Sin, Vicky McClure, it's Line of Duty Alumni Day. She is in an excellent ITVX show that launches that day called Without Sin. It's a psychological drama and is really interesting and has a really shocking opening scene. And Happy Valley, New Year's Day, along with Romantic Getaway, which is with Roma Shranganathan and Catherine Ryan is in a really funny crime caper on Sky Comedy. And finally, Stonehouse launches on Monday the 2nd of January with actual couple Matthew McFadden and Keely Hawes together on screen um, in a rare moment. And I've seen that, and that's really, really good, about the true story of how John Stonehouse, a politician, faked his own death to avoid all kinds of things. That's stripped across, that's stripped across uh, three nights on ITV1, Monday, 2nd of January. There's probably other stuff as well, but I can't be able to go into that right now. 
<laughs> okay. Well, I think we've covered off quite a bit there. Thank you very much, Boydie, the Christmas TV fairy. Uh, this is it for this week's show. Uh, and indeed, kind of for 2023, as far as a regular podcast is concerned. I know we ask you this every week, and I also know that only a very small percentage of you have actually done it. But all we want for Christmas, again is a five-star review on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or both! Go nuts! And if you're feeling really generous, why not give our social media followings a boost by chucking us a follow at James C. Dyer, at Boyd Hilton, and at Beth K. Webb. We'll be back in your ears next Monday, as I've mentioned, with our Bumper Review of the Year podcast. Then we have a week off, uh, and then we're back to our usual show on Monday, the 9th of January, against Boyd's protests. Uh, <laughs> Except for Beth, yeah. who no. has done the podcast equivalent of unfriending Boyd and myself on social media, no. abandoning us to face 2023 no. without her. You know, I mean, it's fine. Is there any chance, <laughs> Beth, I can, I don't know, convince you to say watch all of C and all the Expanse over Christmas, you know, as a parting gift. You know, now that you're into Witcher stuff, I feel yeah. like the door has been opened. Into Witcher stuff. That is the professional term. Yeah. Leave it with me yeah (laughs) you'll see what you can do okay i expect you to report back we'll see what you should have done and there's still time is to get your guitar out and Ah! serenade beth Uh with a bet with a with a performance of toss a coin into the witcher whatever it's called you know i have to relearn how to play oh my god God. it's been a while it's been a while since i played toss a coin to your witcher uh yeah i'll 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 give that a go beth what i'll do is i'll i'll record it for you and i'll send it to you as a christmas present me playing and or singing toss a coin to your witcher Oh, God. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Uh, See you on Boxing Day for a little bit more. Uh, I hope you get lots of lovely presents uh, in the form of TV shows and, you know, other things. Until after Christmas, then, pilot out.